Hi there, my name is Donald Hing. I am an actor in Vancouver, Canada, and you can see me on shows such as Arrow, The Flash, The 100, Supernatural, and Two Sentence Horror Stories. You're listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello and welcome to Neil Before Pod, the podcast that is powering through those January blues, or has powered through those January blues, maybe. I'm your host Craig and we are here to discuss the news and trailers that appeared throughout January 2022. Joining me for this month's discussion, we've got Isaac, it's your turn, hello. Hello, how's it going? How's 2022? It's the same as 2021 largely, except I can go outside a little bit more. That's fun. Not like last year. 2021 we couldn't go outside at all in january really yeah it's pretty pleasant so hopefully the rest of this year is going to carry on in a pretty good go yeah anyway january 2022 so it's the first round up of the year you're on it and we are just ahead as we record of the 200th podcast but by the time this is out you have maybe seen us record the 200th podcast Time travel strikes again. Yeah. Link in the show notes to watch on Twitch. The Twitch thing will still be there for a while, I think. And I'll maybe put it on YouTube as well. And then it'll, the audio release as well. So there'll be so many ways that you can not watch it or not listen to it. The options are endless. The options of avoidance are endless. Okay, so let's just start with our usual, what are we watching? What are we plugging? So what are you watching? What have you been watching over the last while that you've enjoyed or not enjoyed? Not so much watching anything at the moment, though I am going to go on an R-ing over buying the Life is Strange Remastered collection. It's a silly thing, but it's like, oh, it's just a graphical upgrade of a game you've already got. And then you release footage and you're like, ooh, but that is pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and it happens every single time. I never do the full remakes, like the Resident Evil ones and stuff, but they'll always do like Last of Us update or that Robot Dinosaurs update or whatever, newish games. And you're like, why are they just selling me the same thing again? And then they show you it and it's like, oh, but it looks really nice. <laughs> <laughs> I always fall down that trap. So we'll see what happens. I think gaming is getting lazy in that respect, isn't it? All these remasters, even though they sometimes update the controls, like with Grand Theft Auto, even though that release was horrible, it didn't work. It was the worst thing ever. But I do think that developers are really getting lazy with this. They're just, as you say, repackaging and reselling you the same thing you've already bought and completed and played. I'm not going to upgrade with Uncharted, even though I can for £10 because I own the game. I own both the games, actually, that they're upgrading. But apparently the only real boost is that it plays in 60 frames per second and i'm not a hardcore gamer enough to notice the difference between 60 frames per second and less than 60 frames there's lots of stuff like that where i just don't know what they mean yeah. oh, what's the other one they called it's like depth something or like range something you can see how far into the distance i'm like well i can't play there so it doesn't matter <laughs> it's not enhancing my experience of the game in any way when people talk about i don't know all these technical terms there's some game reviewers that are writing at that stuff and i'm just thinking i've played that game and i did not notice anything that was bringing it down yeah there's so many polygons or whatever <laughs> all the polygons all the light rays and you're like okay cool <laughs> other than that not much that i'm watching on telly i'm str- not struggling through i'm occasionally forgetting but then watching book of boba fett which i'm enjoying a lot okay i watched the first episode of that and i didn't hate it but also i've not watched any more so that kind of tells you everything 
It's really nice when I'm watching it, but because there's no cliffhangers or central sort of mystery, it's not like a Marvel show where you have to be on the ball. You can just sort of like you just have a day off and you're like, I'll put a couple of Boba Fett's on and see what antics he's up to. It seems to be mostly admin, admin or Tuskins. <laughs> They're the options. As card carrying dislikers of The Mandalorian, the both of us, how did you feel about the episode that was just an episode of The Mandalorian? I'll let you know when I get there. Oh, you haven't watched it yet? Oh, that's a shame. Not yet. No, I'm I'm too behind. I've got episode four and five to go. Okay. It makes sense, I guess, because a lot of the complaints I've seen people say about it is that they've changed the character of Boba Fett and he's no longer the same guy who was, which is, as far as I'm aware, just an extra. But then they just made The Mandalorian that. So they can't make Boba Fett that because they made The Mandalorian that. So they had to make him something else. Although aren't people commenting on changing Boba Fett from their experience of him through expanded universe material rather than the two films that he's in or three films mm. that he's in technically yeah every Star Wars character has like a million expanded universe things comics and whatever yeah people really yeah. love that character whereas I don't know any of his background really not read the expanded books or a couple of the comics but not very much aware of the extra world so I'm just going in basically as an introduction to this guy I'm like okay here's what he's actually like you know his post-Empire life and he's just doing whatever. This is taking it as a show by itself. It's pretty good. I'm really enjoying the Tuscan stuff. But yeah, I can see why they bring the Mandalorian in because that's how it works. You have to put the most popular thing in to get everyone involved. But apparently, it wasn't that he showed up to team up with Boba Fett or whatever. It's that they replace one episode of the show as an episode of the Mandalorian. Okay. I don't like the Mandalorian. So even if I was enjoying Boba Fett, which, like I say, I didn't hate the first episode, but I haven't been back to it. I'll get up to that episode, which will be an episode of the Mandalorian, and I'll hate that episode, probably, because I don't like the Mandalorian. It sounds like a doing the dishes episode. I'll put it on <laughs> while I'm doing the dishes. I'm guessing there'll be like a couple of gunfights, and I'll be like, okay, I'll watch the gunfights, and he'll sort of talk. I'll be like, okay, back to the dishes. Put the kettle on for this bit. Is Luke Skywalker in this one? Nope, not interested. Whatever. Nah. <laughs> Anything else? you've been watching or i guess playing that's pretty much it so far nothing much going on cool anything to plug anything you want to point people in the direction of no like i said we've got the upcoming 200th podcast which we'll be involved in or the behind us 200th podcast by the time you listen oh yeah yeah that was fun wasn't it we'll say it was is will be fun i can't believe that someone said <laughs> we can add those bits in that's the only thing that i'm doing that is online and there's a rocking piece of artwork that is associated with it yes look at right now if you want it'll be on all the socials probably as usual i've been watching quite a few things at the cinema i'll just start with that i went to see scream or scream 5 it was all right quite liked it i was pleasantly surprised by it i wasn't really expecting much but it did some really interesting commentary on fan culture and fan entitlement and all that stuff some of it a bit on the nose, it normally is, but I really didn't hate it. I, th I thought it was an engaging enough slasher movie with a bit of a meta twist like the other ones, really. So that was good. Yeah. I saw Nightmare Alley, which I was less impressed by. I usually like Guillermo del Toro stuff. We'll talk about something he's doing later on, but it wasn't really for me. I just found it a bit dull and plodding and I wasn't super engaged by it. Bradley Cooper was good. The rest of the actors were good, but I wasn't really engaged by it. So that was that. As we record, I haven't seen Moonfall yet. I'll be seeing that on Friday, but I'm kind of looking forward to it. I love a disaster movie. I saw The King's Man, which was the end of last year now. It was actually the same day recorded the news roundup with Chris. <laughs> Went to see it almost right after. It was all right. It'll be on Disney Plus by the time you hear this, I think, more or less. It seems to be one of those that just kind of got buried at the end of the year. Spider-Man's out, The Matrix is out, The Kingsman's out. Not all of them will survive. 
turns out the Kingsman and the Matrix really didn't survive. The delay films that you kind of forget are coming out, they're like, oh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, or oh, Wonder Woman 84. Like, I love those sort of package ones. So I saw those on TV. I've been watching my usual Legends of Tomorrow, Star Trek shows like Prodigy and Discovery. Been enjoying all those, reviewing some of them. Batwoman, not reviewing, but quite enjoying this season. Superman and Lois is back, which is really good this season. They're doing some really cool stuff with a classic Superman villain. I won't say which one. Also watching Peacemaker, not reviewing that either, but absolutely loving it. I think John Cena, as I always say, he's better when he's funny, and he's really funny in that role. And... It's a really well put together show. Just watch the opening titles where he does a deadpan dance routine. The entire cast do it. It's great. It just sets the tone. I've seen the dance, but I don't know anything else about that show. <laughs> I'd say give it a watch. It's very, very good. It's very funny. It's very off the wall. Well, we've discussed Guardians of the Galaxy stuff before, and I think both of us don't really like the first one and thought the second one was good, which is, I suppose, rare. I haven't seen the first one. You know what a fan. By and large, though, I like James Gunn stuff. I love the Suicide Squad. I thought it was really well done, and... Some of the other stuff he's done that I've seen. Scooby-Doo. I actually quite like the <laughs> Scooby-Doo film he did. I don't know if he did the second one. Definitely did the first one. I enjoyed that. And he's directed most of the episodes of Peacemaker as well. I'll see if I can find it and give it a go. I watched the first couple episodes of How I Met Your Father. It is dreadful. And I know that it's easy to compare it to the original because it's the same thing, but with one word changed effectively. But I love the original show. And the original show has something special about it. It's got really funny people in it, like... Neil Patrick Harris and Jason Segel and Kobe Smulders is in it. She's really good. This one has Hilary Duff. She's not that funny. I'm sure she's really good at what she does, but she's not that funny. The rest of the cast are not funny at all. The writing is terrible. It feels like it was made in the 90s. It's just really unwatchably bad. I wouldn't recommend it at all. I don't know why it was made and I can't see it lasting very long. I mean, they gave it a go, I guess, didn't they? <laughs> they definitely gave it a go. They definitely made it. That's for sure. It's something that they have made. Were you a fan of How I Met Your Mother? I never watched it, actually. You never watched it? Okay. No, I, I missed it entirely, so I don't have too much excitement or interest in watching the spin-off. Spoilers for it. It's actually a sequel because some of the characters move into the apartment that some of the characters lived in in the original show. And they reference those characters. Okay, yeah. So imagine that one or more of them will turn up at some point. Yeah. Will I still be watching it? Probably not. In terms of plugging, I am still doing bits and pieces over at the We Made This podcast network. I was on the Scream episode, funnily enough, on Real Talk. I'm still doing the Star Trek Prodigy podcast over there. I'm cropping up on Marvel stuff. I'm cropping up all over the place. Check some of them out. There's loads of shows over there. And if you listen to the 200th podcast, you'll hear some testimonials from people that are affiliated with that network. So that's pretty mm-hmm. nice. That's me for the plugging. Shall we move on to trailers? We have a list of trailers. Yep. Our first trailer is Studio 666, the Foo Fighters making an album and there's demon possession or ghosts or whatever. My first impression of this is it will entirely depend on whether you like the Foo Fighters or not. I'm pretty indifferent to them. I like a couple of their songs, but I wouldn't call myself a fan. Other than that, it looks like a generic tongue-in-cheek horror. Yeah, I remember the song The Pretender, and that's the one I remember. It kind of reminds me of, I can't remember if it's The Simpsons or Family Guy, where it's The Kiss Saves Christmas. Family Guy. Family Guy. It kind of reminds me of that. It's like, oh, it's a band being the band in a film. Or like the Monkees in the 60s, but for a modern... Is it a mod- Are the Foo Fighters still a band? Or do they still release albums? I have no idea. I'm not cool enough. They'll still have a following, but they're not like, I'm trying to think of a modern band. Nope. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> they're not like Lin-Manuel Miranda. They're not Taylor Swift. 
They're not Taylor Swift. Yeah, that's one. <laughs> so yeah, it feels like another go at a band does an adventure style thing. The Beatles and Monkeys. That is Club Seven. S Club Seven. Yeah, I don't know much about the band. They'll probably write a great new song to stop the threat or whatever. <laughs> I think of Tenacious D, that's different, but did they do a movie? I'm not sure about Tenacious D because I don't know if they exist for the purposes of making a film or if they're actually a band. I'm not sure what the history of Tenacious D is. I know that Jack Black created them as some kind of off-the-wall type. Not a spoof, but if you listen to the Tenacious D album, there's tracks where it's just him and the, the guy talking about stuff. Yeah, but I've not heard of this movie. I won't remember the trailer for this movie. I'm sure there's lots of people who are super excited to like see a movie from the Foo Fighters. But yeah, I think I'll be fine. <laughs> it's for fans of the Foo Fighters, I suppose. But yeah. other than that, I don't see what the draw is. I don't see what is supposed to get you in to watch it if you don't like them. Yeah, I mean, I assume they'll probably either release a single to coincide with the movie and it'll be in the movie. So it'll be just essentially a way of doing a gig in times when that's not a thing or do a movie because then people can stream it (laughs) next trailer we have the ledge which looks like a bit of a thriller where a woman's been stalked by some people that want to kill her and her only way to get away from them is by climbing a rock face of some sort i like the look of this actually it's an interesting idea it looks like there's plenty of opportunity for tension climbing means survival it reminds me of those closed space horror movies like that one where the shark tank thing or 127 hours, a one location, one essential set piece film where the tension just continues because it never lets up. There's either the threat of free climbing the side of a mountain. <laughs> you can either fall and die or somehow escape these other people who are climbing the side of a mountain or hope they fall and die. Or they'll catch you and stab you, whichever. Yeah, could be quite a tense. As long as it doesn't go too silly. So you start bringing helicopters in or something, <laughs> but it might lose its tension. But I think if it keeps its intense looking chase element then yeah it could be a lot of fun all of that dangling peril should be great for my fear of heights on a cinema screen as well yeah exactly that'll keep you like the sort of sweaty palm thing <laughs> trying to hold on to your drink or your popcorn or whatever it'd be like when i watched that film the walk oh yeah that's high wire walker yeah the high wire twin towers walker guy when the walking sequence was happening i saw it in imax 3d and i wanted to hurl it did very very well a little too well i think next up we have a short teaser for Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. It's stop motion or presenting the illusion of stop motion. And it looks pretty cool based on this. It looks visually awesome. And you've got Ewan McGregor doing the voice of... It's not Jiminy Cricket, but it's Jiminy Cricket. Yes. It reminds me of those Christmas Gruffalo, the Julia Donaldson half an hour shorts. They're in that, not the same design, but like a woodland fake claymation style. But I'm assuming it's going to be grim. <laughs> I think it'll be more of a grim tale than a Disney tale. Obviously, yeah, we don't get much of it because I guess it's still early days. It's not out until Christmas, I think. So it's quite a while. Yeah, it's an atmosphere teaser. Yeah, it should be good. Next trailer is X, which is a film about people trying to film an adult film and dangerous and scary and freaky stuff happens i wasn't grabbed by the trailer much at all it didn't really look like it was going to be for me again like with studio 666 it looked like a fairly standard version of what it is just with the gimmick of they're making porn this is the one by the hereditary guy isn't it yeah i didn't like hereditary either I found that film very freaky. But when we were in the cinema, everyone was just sort of laughing and having a great time. It was a very odd experience. And I was just bored. Yeah, I think everyone was kind of bored. I was like, 
this is awful. Not awful like bad, but this is super creepy. I find it like one of the creepier horror movies that I've seen. But that doesn't work in... I'm not like the sort of horror junkie that's like, oh yeah, I want to experience that again. I was like, no, that'll do. <laughs> this looks more like it's the inhumanity of man type threat, doesn't it? Yeah, the worst sort of people. The awfulness that obviously exists in the real world, but we just don't want to think about it. <laughs> So yeah, obviously with Hereditary, it was more in the world of spiritual and ghosts and stuff. This is like, also, the, this is going to grim and horrible, and it's happening now. I'm okay, thank you. I don't need to know about this. So yeah, not excited about that. Speaking of not excited, we have a trailer for the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reboot that's just called Bel-Air, which is the same basic premise. Will moves out to Bel-Air to live with his rich uncle, and stuff happens. This one looks like it's trying to take it a bit more seriously. I think it looks terrible. A friend said to me, I'm not going to take credit for this, but they said to me that it looks like one of those shows that will either be cancelled before its first season is finished or it will still be on in 10 years when nobody you know watches it. Another thing like How I Met Your Mother, I never watched Prince of Ballet. It was just a show that was on after Simpsons. Like, it's ignored it. So I don't have a nostalgia for the show or anything. So it's like another reboot thing. I'm like, I'm not interested. <laughs> One of those trailers can't tell if this is good for the people who remember it. Is this getting everyone nostalgic and teary-eyed for the glory days of the 90s, or is it just so bland? <laughs> I can't tell. Yeah, I'm not sure. I just know that me watching it, I was like, this looks dreadful. Uncle Phil isn't fat, which annoys me. I don't know what it is. What is this? What are they aiming to get at here? Because the thing about the original Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, I loved it. I thought it was a great show, but it was actually bringing in a racial commentary as it was going. So there was a lot of episodes that were dealing with the treatment of black people in society and how it's askew, how it's not equal, even though it's supposed to be equal, and the characters deal with that and how they're shielded from it a bit because they're rich, but they still encounter it, especially when they leave their bubble, things like that. So there's some really hard-hitting stuff they do in there. And it's a really good show about the development of Will from this rough-around-the-edges kid from the sticks into a mature and responsible man who can take on the world. It was funny and it had a number of interesting hooks to it, but I don't know what this is going to be. It doesn't look like it's funny. It doesn't look like it's especially hard hitting. So I don't know. I don't know what we're getting out of this. I think we're going to add this to the list of, okay, we've talked about it, but we'll never see it or talk about it again. Yeah. Okay. Next up, we have a short teaser for the boys. It's not on until June. It's mostly just a spoofy advert about environmentalism from the Aquaman analog. It looks like it's the boys. It looks like it's the same as it has been, which has been really good. I enjoy this show. I like the idea of the superheroes as product and the corporate corruption angle and the fact that they're celebrities and all that stuff. The ways they hold up a mirror to our own society. For example, when they were teasing the boys before, they did the streaming service advert and you could honestly just change the imagery to Disney Plus and you wouldn't have to change anything. <laughs> it would absolutely work, unironically. So it's not really parody anymore in that way, but we live in a world where a lot of ridiculous things are happening at the highest levels and we're seeing them on a daily basis. So things like the boys that are trying to satirise it have to work harder to actually make fun of what's going on because... Let's face it, the real world makes fun of itself now. I've not watched any of the boys. Oh yeah, it's a trailer for a show that I'm aware of. I'm aware of like Homelander and the racist lady. I would say give it a go, you'd probably enjoy it. I know we've definitely talked about cynical superhero stuff and it's not my cup of tea at all. And my worry is it's the same sort of situation. What's nice about superhero stuff or comic stuff, it's a little nicer than the real world. I'm sort of going like, oh, if you take that same with reading comics, when it's ones where it's like, oh yeah, this is what I'd be really like. This is what would really happen if this world existed. I just find it quite tiring. Well, the thing about the boys is it's still heightened. It is larger than life. And well, I'm like you. I like the superhero stuff that's more virtuous and more 
straightforward and so on but the boys has a good balance in particular there's the character starlight and she is that virtuous hero type who still believes in the fundamental values and so on so you do get that balance so it's not that everyone in the show is just awful there are people in there that aren't as bad so it does give you that balance because yeah you see some of those where there is no balance where it is just bleakness all the time everyone's a scumbag and you have to just get along with it but the boys gives you that other angle which is why i keep watching it yeah i think i just sort of get from other people are saying about on other podcasts and too or like from trailers that is there but the most of the people are there for watching the awfulness when I mean, there's a big audience for the less disney-fied or less child-friendly world of it maybe i should give it a go but it is one of those sort of ones where it's like if i don't catch up with it it's fine <laughs> <laughs> fair enough so added to that there's the teaser for the boys diabolical which is the anime short spin-off and this one it shows a baby with heat vision killing a bunch of people the animation looks cool it does look quite extreme it's very very violent but this one boasts these shorts being written by different creatives who get to just muck around and do different things in this universe in an animated way. It's a bit like the Animatrix in that way. In fact, that's what they explicitly cited when they said, they said, we saw the Animatrix and thought we could rip that off. So that's what they've done. Yeah, I guess it's a world I don't know. It's expanding, but I don't have too much to say about it, unfortunately. (laughs) Fair enough. Severance is the next thing. Apple TV Plus, a thing commenting on the concept of work-life balance and taking it to a sci-fi extreme through splitting your mind in two. So when you're at work, you forget about your personal life. When you're in your personal life, you forget about work. Obviously, it's very topical, especially with this work from home, don't work from home debate that's ongoing at the moment. And I can see where this show might go. What's the point of it going to be? Is true work-life balance about getting something out of work as well? Or is it about spending as much time away from it as possible? Is making your job an integrated part of your life important do your workplace relationships matter all that stuff it's going to ask all those questions or i hope it's going to ask all those questions and as someone that would like to forget about my working day pretty much every day i feel like this is something that i will enjoy watching yeah i know it's an old science fiction idea or maybe just fiction idea of separating yourself from your work self or like if you could clone yourself and send them to work and they do all the stuff you know it's a nice new idea it's not like a clone version or a separate version it's just a memory thing so it's a nice new go on it, it has a slightly black mirrory kind of feel to it i can't tell if it's like a black mirrory feel or if it's just like a kind of current science fiction feel it's quite funny how every time there's a high concept sci-fi thing that is about to come out everyone's like it's a bit black mirror where people used to say it's a bit twilight zone yeah it's not falling into the same trap of going oh it's kind of like a black mirror thingy <laughs> which i think is just how any science fiction that's set on earth in roughly the 21st century is judged yeah and it's fair enough it's high concept isn't it it's a simple to understand idea that you can explore through whatever this thing is it does seem like it'll be an interesting one the trailer knocked me off balance a little bit which i liked i felt unsettled watching it and i think that's exactly the way you're supposed to feel yeah there's there's sort of like a creeping edge to it you know it's not going to go well yeah this is a stupid idea and the message will be no no you should probably remember what you were doing for eight hours a day however long your working day is yeah it's never a good idea to just not remember half of a day (laughs) but yeah that's coming out so i'll give it a watch probably i'll give it a look next trailer we have halo another video game adaptation there is another trailer for uncharted but it's out pretty soon as we record and i've already seen the whole film through the other two trailers so i didn't feel the need to watch the third trailer so we're not really going to talk about it because i haven't seen the third trailer because like i say the second trailer probably gave me the film in order more or less but Halo, it's another video game property, as I said, 
Will this one be good? Who knows? The production design looks faithful enough to what I've seen of the games. I've played some of the first Halo game. That's my connection to it. I don't really know too much about it, other than what people have told me about it and the little bits and pieces that I've played and bits I've seen on Twitch and stuff. So not really got a huge connection to it. Some of the CGI looks pretty ropey in the trailer, which... Seems disappointing, considering how much money they've probably spent on it. And it's another trailer that has a melancholy cover of a popular song. So yes. it's running with that cliche, which doesn't endear it to me in any way. I also haven't played Halo, but I'm vaguely aware of it through the world. And I can't quite tell if the CGI is it's supposed to be kind of reminiscent of how it looked in the game. They want to get that sort of sense of when you play this on the Xbox or Xbox 360, and it kind of looked a little bit plasticky. If you kind of want to keep a feel of that to sort of endear it to the technology that you would have experienced when you were a kid playing Halo, or if it's just like you said, maybe just season of the past. But I mean, in terms of the thinking like Rogue One, seems to be the come to mind version of it's a world that you can recognize, but it is sold as just it's grim and the unpleasant part of a world at war. Space Marines fighting aliens. That's basically yes. what it is. And I know that the Halo universe has its fans and it's much bigger than the games. There's books and comics and fan productions and whatever. Yeah, it's gone huge. They did make a show, didn't they? A couple of years ago. I don't know if that was official or not. I do have some awareness of some animated thing, but I don't know if that was sort of machinima. Yeah, or if it was a real thing. So there's another one in the long list yeah. of ones. That, there's people who are really into this. But I don't know much about it, so probably be fine. The trailer didn't massively impress me. And I know that Halo has been batted around for a while now. I know Peter Jackson was going to make it at one point. Yeah, it's always sort of been a rumbling of they'll do a live action Halo thing. And now they finally are on Paramount Plus. So if you like Halo and want to see this, go watch it. If you don't, then maybe watch it anyway. Who knows? But I wonder what Halo fans think. There's no one on this podcast that's a Halo fan, I don't think. Maybe Angus, maybe he's played it. Should ask him. Yeah, maybe. Never on Xbox, so. Same. I'm always a PlayStation guy. Uncharted, again, a film I'm not looking forward to. <laughs> okay, next up we have Moon Knight. Marvel's latest TV show on Disney Plus is going to be appearing on March 30th. So quite a while. They've taken a bit of a break at the start of the year, which is actually needed, I think, because we've had a massive onslaught of Marvel stuff. There's too much yet. I'm never catching up. It's gone beyond my ability now. I've, <laughs> I've made peace with it. I'm never catching these extra things. <laughs> well, that's why they took a three-month break, so you could catch up with everything that you need to catch up with. I'm undecided on Moon Knight so far. I love the accent. I think it's brilliant. Well, the accent is something I've got in my notes because I know that people are criticising it. But the thing about it is I'm wondering if it's a deliberately bad British accent because he's not really British. It's just one of his dissociative states. So he puts on this really bad fake accent when he's in that guys because he can't do a real one yeah i'm hoping now he's just giving it a go and they're like yes let him have a go <laughs> i know very little about moon knight but he has a dissociative identity from what wikipedia has told me in the comics it's not clear if it's actually something he has or if it's just another part of his did there's bits in the trailer where the binds are wrapping around him will they make it that same element or are they just kind of going to go lean really one way because obviously marvel's very connected and i think his character isn't overly connected as much as say the avengers or those characters so if moon knight does say team up with blade or doctor strange or the black knight maybe if they're like, who's this guy? Who's this guy from the British Museum who thinks he's got a sword? <laughs> it's another one where I'm not an expert on talking, but I watched the trailer and I was like, okay, 
Yeah, I like Oscar Isaac, but it hasn't got the grab of some of the other stuff. Try and give it a go, but I'm not blown away or super excited for it. One thing about this trailer that really stood out to me is how stylistically different it looks to anything else that's come before in the MCU. I know people criticise the visual style that the MCU seems to have, this house visual style where most of the films look largely the same. And I do agree with that to some extent, but it doesn't bother me. And I think they do a lot with that house style, so to speak. And I do understand why it's there as well, because it's a contained, continued franchise. But I'm also not against the idea of doing more defined visual stylistic stamps on their stuff. And certainly it looks like this is very stylistically and tonally different to anything they've done before, which really caught my attention. There's a psychological vibe, there's a horror vibe, it's unsettling, it seems to be very specifically focused on this character going insane or struggling to resolve his stuffs. And there's a bit where he's beating someone and it's really dark in that area and it looks like he's just savaging some guy by beating his head into the ground or something. Disney Plus seems to be the place where Marvel are allowing that. Especially with like Loki and WandaVision and the more odd ones. It's sort of allowing a bit more of a tonal shift or a new visual look. But even those ones weren't super out there. They strayed a little bit, but they didn't go too far away from what was familiar. Especially Loki. I think Loki was very on point with everything. But I suppose he was there when all this was being defined. That was near the beginning of it. But this is the first TV show based on a character that isn't connected to any of the other characters. Yes, the first introduction one. Yeah, so that's interesting in itself. When's She-Hulk? Is that... Later. Afterwards. Later. Okay, yeah, so you'll be the first one. Yeah, but even She-Hulk will have Banner in it. Yeah, it's it's not a wholly separate world. In the same way that Hawkeye is Kate Bishop and Clint, rather than just Kate Bishop. But this is definitely just, he's his own guy, and he's untested in that way. He's not being brought into the world with the aid of some character that you already know. Unless... The trailer's lying to us in some way. I am interested in it and I'll be interested to see if they follow through on this big stylistic shift or whether you watch it and it'll feel roughly about the same as any other MCU thing. And it'll be okay either way. Yeah, I don't mind that the MCU have consistency with how it feels. It's a brand. It's a connected world. That's fine. Yeah, we'll give it a go. I wasn't overly fussed about stuff like Loki before that and I loved it. I think sometimes it is with Marvel stuff. I don't get overly wowed by trailers or early stuff but i don't know if it's a thing with their trailers or the style they use or you tend to catch up with it anyway so you don't feel too much anticipation for too much of their stuff but do end up loving some of it so i'll definitely give it a go and just uh, it's not one that i'm counting down the days to watch at the moment fair enough okay for our final trailer what i'm going to do is i'm going to beam chris in because it's a Star Trek one, and I probably should have known about the boys and talked to him about that at the same time, but I didn't. So you can take a break in the corner, and I will beam Chris in to talk about a couple of things. Okie doke. I will zoom off. I'll zoom off to the Star Trek kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) What's our break room called? It just depends. The mess hall, 10 forward, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I'll go to the mess hall. Cool. Get myself a big old Earl Grey from the the food machine. Energising. Hello, my friend. Welcome to The Road Not Taken. Do you know, I've got so used to just being beamed in at inappropriate moments that I I wasn't expecting to be on The Road Not Taken, but here I am. Well, it is Uh, The Road Not Taken in the sense that you weren't expecting to be beamed here, and now you have been. Oh, so I've been beamed and on The Road Not Taken. Okay, I've got it. I'm with you. I understand what's happened now. I've been beamed into The Road Not Taken. 
Thank you. I love it when my references just don't land. That's always good. <laughs> Sorry. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for beaming me onto a road. No problem. Let's stand to the side and just avoid the traffic, shall we? Let's not get run over. So I've brought you in because there's some things to discuss that Isaac has zero interest in, as usual. He's a great guest, Isaac. He always tells you, I have nothing to say on this, and then makes me run around and find other people. He doesn't make me, I do it anyway. We have a trailer for the new season of Star Trek Picard, and we have some release dates for Star Trek shows. They are coming out over the next couple of months. I'm not going to read out some release dates because it's not that interesting. But we do have a trailer for Picard Season 2. So what did you think of the trailer for Picard Season 2, this new one? We had a teaser that we talked about a few months ago, but this is a full-blown, high-octane trailer. So what did you think of it? Well, this definitely fills out more of the detail that we were looking for from the teaser, didn't it? Because the teaser was cue waxing lyrical mostly and shots of a table at the vineyard and all that sort of stuff this definitely fills out a lot more i really don't know i mean it looks action-packed it looks really interesting but have they just used some of the best bits in the trailer (laughs) because i was kind of expecting a lot more from the last season and we didn't quite get it all so i am not too sure great seeing guinan back in though i was excited about that i'm more excited about seeing guinan than i am about q yeah, is good. And I'm concerned, I've said this before, I'm concerned that they're going to explain the connection between Guinan and Q. And I don't want to know. I've talked about this so many times. There are some historic sci-fi or media mysteries that you just don't need an answer to. And we've had an answer to some of them. Why do the Klingons have ridges in the 24th century and not in the 23rd century? Enterprise answered it. The answer sucked. Don't need an answer. What's the deal with a space jockey and alien? Prometheus answered it, the answer sucked, don't need to know. And there's a few of those throughout different fandoms where people debate these mysteries for years and decades and these things existed as things to talk about among fans before there was the internet. So I don't need to know why Q and Guinan have a mysterious connection in the past. I'm just happy with knowing that they have one and then wondering what it is. Because I'm pretty sure the answer that is written by, let's face it, a fan because the people working on these shows, by and large, will be fans of the original material, will probably just trot out their own fan theory that they subscribe to and then run with that. And it'll either be satisfying or not, but it usually isn't satisfying. It's usually, well, is that it? I was happy just not knowing. I was happy with the mystery. So let's hope they don't do that. (laughs) There's a lot of that, isn't there? There's sometimes when you sit there and go, no, I need an explanation for this. There's other things where you go, don't give me any explanation. Quite happy with the fan theories let us work it out for ourselves or just leave it mysterious because the reason why it was probably left mysterious is because the writers originally didn't know either so don't try and write it for them (laughs) they tried or they didn't want to and left it so just leave it there it's the acknowledgement of the fact that they just can't come up with anything that will be interesting enough to justify what they've set up so in Q who and Guinan holds up her hands in some kind of defensive posture when Q is in the room and Q recognises her for some reason. That's enough. That's all I need to know. It's not something that needs to be explained for the purposes of the story. It's not something that is in any way important as to the story being told. It's just a detail that makes you think, and that's all it is. They haven't indicated by this trailer that they are going to explore that connection or that they'll even share any screen time. So this is just me running off (laughs) on this. But (laughs) I want it out there that I don't want them to answer this. So production team writers, editors, whatever, if you're listening to this, 
and have done that, then just cut it, please. Uh, I don't need it. Exactly. You want them to cut it out early to avoid disappointment, don't you? Do you think they'll have taken a lot of the comments that came from the first season on board? Or do you think they'll double down on some of the stuff that they've done? I don't know. I don't really get any impression either way from this trailer. It does seem to be following a lot of the stylistic choices that were made in the first season. Guinan's making cryptic remarks about the final journey for Picard or a journey for Picard not involving the stars and being some kind of inward journey, which is kind of what the first season was driving at. How Guinan knows that Picard's destiny isn't in the stars, the final frontier isn't in the stars for him is up in the air but she was always wise so it doesn't matter so i don't know i really hope so they did announce that season three will be the final season and they're filming those two concurrently which makes sense when your lead is over 80 years old Mm. surely building an end point somewhere whether that means those characters will continue on in a spin-off of sorts who knows i'm not sure i'd really want to see that it depends potentially you've got two seasons to get more attached to some of the characters or to fill them out a little bit i mean when you say about natural outpoint they kind of had that natural outpoint or the possibility of that last season so it's interesting that they're doing two more seasons off the back of that i keep getting in two minds about this show because i remember i was disappointed at the end of the last one i'm hoping this is going to be better it looks a bit more exciting and interesting from some of the different clips that the put in there not too sure yeah there's a lot going on it looks very busy which maybe makes sense if it's planned to be across two seasons which might mean that this season is altogether unsatisfying because it's you'll find out what happens in the next season which is always frustrating yeah that's always the worry when they're like oh it's been commissioned for two seasons you're like oh they're gonna do a big arc that just doesn't finish aren't they they're gonna set (laughs) up a ton of stuff and if we find it really really boring this season they're gonna have to keep going because they need to do the third season They've already filmed it, so no changing. Yeah, if we hate it, Yeah, no changing. (laughs) Too late, we've committed to it. We're going down this path, whether you're interested in it or not. Yep. I do like the idea of you change one minor thing, the whole butterfly effect element that, you know, a butterfly flaps its wings and all that sort of stuff. You change one little aspect and then it unravels because you just get those little reaction shots of each person realizing that something's different the ball clicking you know you get the shot of seven of nine there you get the shot up in the ship it's all changed something's different what's happened so i wonder what that tiny element is yeah it's something that happens in 2024 so that they can film easily during a pandemic i guess on modern streets that are empty because it's a (laughs) pandemic How are they going to explain Guinan as a talk show host in 2024? Well, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be so cool if that's how you (laughs) get Guinan? It looks like the scenes with Guinan are in the present day, whether that's the alternate present day or the current... As in the present day of the show, the early 25th century, not our present day. But it looks like Picard speaks to Guinan there because you see an Andorian in the bar and so on. So unless First Contact happens way earlier in this totalitarian timeline it's more likely that those scenes are set there but yeah it'd be great if picard went on is it the view that she presents it's the view yeah <laughs> be great if picard just went on that and just had to chat to Guinan and all of her friends on the show to puzzle out his stuff that'd be brilliant i'd be up for seeing that it would be a very very odd character crossover thing but it would be interesting to do i imagine a lot of trek fans would absolutely hate if they, if they crossed the streams in that way but i think it would be quite funny i'm not too sure with 2024 it's far off but not that far off now so how do you try and make 2024 seem more bleak than the last few years that we've had yeah Because normally when they do it in Star Trek, they do time travel, it's either distant enough in the future that you can kind of get away with a bit of hand-wavium, 
or it's far enough back that again they can get away with a bit of hand waving them. But then they've got everything set next year it's keeping it pretty close to life so it's a difficult one to walk i'm trying to remember because in voyager they did a travel back in time but was that to the present day when they were filming those episodes were 1996 but remember the star trek universe isn't our universe because in the star trek universe they think tablets are really cool in the 24th century and we break them Casually in our current time period. In Star Trek, they have multiple tablets for multiple different documents, which is not thinkable for us. Our technology is inspired by Star Trek. So Star Trek exists in a universe which Star Trek didn't exist to inspire it. That's why the technology in the future (laughs) is worse than the technology we have now. Those Voyager episodes, it was a Microsoft analog that they were riffing on with Henry Starling, I think the character's name was. The computer age shouldn't have happened because they got technology from the future and then reverse engineered some of it to invent stuff. The 2024 timeline is pretty close to the Bell Riots, which were in those Deep Space Nine episodes. Well, that's true, yeah. And the technology in that was uh, nothing like the technology we have <laughs> now. I don't know if that'll be addressed. I would like it to be because it's canon to this universe, so you can't really pick and choose from that. But then again, we know that our present day looks very different to the nearish future that was depicted in those episodes so i don't know we'll see how it pans out but there's a few details in there that are interesting ish we've got the totalitarian timeline as i mentioned which i hate the idea of evil star trek evil superman stop it (laughs) don't want this anymore i'm sick of it so let's not deal with that and there's a scene where john delancey's q shares a scene with a character played by brent spiner presumably another sung ancestor it looks like it's the 2024 setting i'm basing that on the fact that they're in a cafe with a teacup on the table or a coffee cup it could be in the future as well we don't know but either way the sung gene pool is very very shallow isn't it how many sung characters have looked like <laughs> brent spiner that's why he builds androids because his genes are just buggered there's no value in him reproducing because he's just so inbred by this point he just discovered cloning very early on and it's the one technological marvel that he didn't reveal to the world yeah i'm gonna have to build androids because i have diluted my genetic code to the point where it's useless or like eternals he keeps introducing his clones as his grandson who looks yeah. very similar to him <laughs> i don't know one notable thing in the trailer is there's no sign of soji don't know where she is. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true actually. I didn't think of that. Didn't click until you said it. But I don't really have much more to say about it. I'm not one to do extensive trailer breakdowns. You know those YouTube videos where they go through frame by frame and stuff? That ain't me. If you want that, it's on YouTube. We'll find it, but you're not going to get it here. I'll be watching it. Of course I'll be watching it because I'll watch everything Star Trek. Well, I like it. Stay tuned. <laughs> okay, so well, I've got you here, I've got a couple of other things that Isaac will have no interest in. One of those is the CW is apparently up for sale. Viacom, CBS and Warner Media exploring sale of the CW. The Wall Street Journal first reported the news says the local TV giant Nexstar, whoever they are, is among the potential purchasers. Nexstar owns 199 local TV stations as well as the cable channel News Nation and The Hill is one of the largest owners of the CW stations. It isn't immediately clear whether Viacom, CBS and Warner Media plan to sell the entire network or retain minority stakes. Basically, the network itself has never been profitable with any of its profits coming from international sales or Netflix deals and stuff. So there's a Netflix deal that has now ended, which means there's a massive loss of revenue from foreign sales, which has caused some people to get itchy feet and they're looking to sell it off. So I don't know what this will mean for all of our favourite shows or those shows that we still watch for some reason 
or the shows that I still watch for some reason. It's up in the air. I don't know. I'm not going to give you any armchair economic analysis here because I have no idea what I'm talking about. All these expert virologists and whatever else that have cropped up over the past couple of years when they work in coffee shops or wherever instead of in labs or as political analysts ain't me. I'm not going to do that. It's an interesting one. And it does make me worry that it will spell the end for the shows that I enjoy that are on that network, because I do enjoy a lot of what they put out and I don't want to see that end. Although there is a bit of a shift because Paramount, Viacom, whatever the company is, they're putting a lot of their stuff on Paramount Plus and Warner Media are putting a lot of their stuff on HBO Max. So they could just lift and shift the Arrowverse over there. Yeah, because a lot of these things are made by production companies on behalf of CBS or CW or whatever network sharing them. So if Warner wanted to take them over to HBO Max, then they would go to the production company and say, oh, we'll take that show, we'll keep that show running and run it that way, I guess. I'm assuming that these shows have got some sort of renewal deal for X amount of time already with the CW, which would still have to be honoured without some cancellation fee if someone took them over and just went, oh, by the way, we don't want to keep renewing this show. So they would get at least their seasons out. Some of them have run their course. As much as I love a lot of the Arrowverse stuff, some of them have put their time and I don't know what else exciting they can do with some of them. So maybe some of it would come at the right time. But for shows that are just fledgling and new, I think it would be silly for HBO Max not to pick up the content. It's also things like The Flash, even though its best days are behind it, is one of the biggest watched shows on the network, which compared to something like HBO Channel isn't very much, but it's high ratings for network shows in its time slot, so it gets recognition that way. It has other shows that are well watched, others that aren't, so there's a lot of questions around that. And actors will be under contract for X amount of seasons for TV shows, should they pick up the option to renew the shows. As I understand it, the actors being contracted for five seasons doesn't mean that they have to appear in five seasons of that TV show or any TV show. It's just that if they make five seasons, they'll have to do that. The renewal is never guaranteed. So I don't know what Grant Gustin's contract for The Flash is, for example, but he might be contracted for 10th season, 11th season, 12th seasons, whatever. And if they choose to renew the show through that, then Obviously, he'll have to do them. If not, they could, I guess, buy him out of his contract or free him for his contract. I don't know how these things work. I'm not a contractual expert. I just know that mainly from listening to Michael Rosenbaum's podcast, him talking about the contracts he's signed and negotiating for money and stuff like that, you get some idea of how it works for actors in these things. And it's not the same as, I'm guaranteed six years of work here. It's You're guaranteed six years of work, assuming they choose to continue making this thing. They're not going to make this thing for six years when nobody's watching it. So there's some stuff up in the air. And that brings us neatly on to our next point. Despite the fact that the network is apparently up for sale, that's not stopping them developing new shows set in the Arrowverse. We had the Gotham Knights one that we talked about last month, and they are now developing one with David Ramsey, aka John Diggle himself, fronting the cast. So it's going to be called Justice U. 
as in university. In the new series, which is set in the Arrowverse, after years of fighting alongside masked heroes, Diggle embarks on a new mission to recruit five young metahumans to live undercover as freshmen at a prestigious university. There he'll oversee their education and train them to become the heroes of tomorrow. Not the legends of tomorrow. There's an important <laughs> legal distinction there. In addition to starring in the series, if it's picked up to pilot, Ramsey has directed a number of Arrowverse episodes will helm the pilot. I love this idea because Diggle, great character, and seeing him float around the other shows at the moment is frustrating in the way that I want to see more of him and he's just not there often enough. But it also sounds incredibly CW that's it's Diggle who is well, he's not an old guy, but he's an older guy. He would be considered one of the patriarchs, I guess, of the Arrowverse at this point because he's been there since the beginning and I don't know how old David Ramsey is. I could look it up, but I'm not going to. He's older and he's going to be the voice of experience leading this team of, let's face it, young, sexy university students. Instead of the Suicide Squad, <laughs> it's Diggle's sexy squad, isn't it? That's what it's going to be. It's going to be Diggle, who is, of course, not an unattractive man, training a team of unspeakably attractive late teen, early 20s characters. <laughs> You're probably not wrong. It is the CW, so it is normally, <laughs> can they act, can they look good? Oh, they, they look good. Okay, we'll take that. It's going to be five gorgeous mixed-race characters. It's going to be a racially yeah. diverse, gorgeous cast of characters. It does sound interesting, and I suppose because it's not revolving around one central character, apart from maybe Diggle for continuity... You can rotate different characters in and out per seasons and stuff as well if this goes on for longer. So it potentially is a way of keeping stuff fresh, pulling people in and out of other shows if they want to do that or just having unique characters passing through all the time. Part of me worries about the university setting because then it just leads to all the typical stuff, the love triangle nonsense. At least it's not high school. It's not high school, but they play university like high school a lot of the time as well. <laughs> be, they're not cool enough to be here. They're too smart in comparison to me. They're too whatever. I don't want to go to university. I just want to do the superhero stuff. And then there'll be the other person who's, I just want my university life. I don't want to be doing all the superhero stuff. There'll be either side of that <laughs> argument. Some of it's like, I already see this show in my head. You've already described it. I'm already seeing the arguments and the different things that they do. I think Diggle's a good fit, like you say, as the father figure, the person who can give sound advice. He's worked with multiple heroes before. He's seen how different people do it. He's been through the mistakes. He's been through the successes. So he's the right person to give them advice from that side. So, yeah, it's got potential. It could be awful or it could be just good fun. I don't know. I'm not sure where this will fall on the spectrum. It has the potential to be awful. Until you see it, you don't really know. Lesson number one, no secrets among the team. Lesson number two, <laughs> don't repeat that next week. See, when you learn a lesson this week, don't repeat the Retain problem. it. Retain, <laughs> Retain it. that lesson. Can't wait till someone comes up to Diggle and asks him about juggling doing homework with being a superhero and he can reply with, I actually don't know. Never worked with a teenager before. No idea. <laughs> What are your kids up to, Diggle? It's not important. It's fine. But it could have legs because you don't necessarily need to keep Diggle around forever in that show because his sexy squad can graduate to the point where they don't need him anymore and they can run themselves. That's true. I don't see it as being Diggle giving a mission a week kind of format. I think you could have characters drop in and out. A bit like the X-Men, but with Diggle being the Xavier-type role, almost. 
Yeah, exactly. I don't think you constantly need Diggle there. And if they were doing it right, then they would pull in other people to give appropriate advice at that time as well. Like you say, Diggle might not know the answer, but he probably knows someone who does. Your guest lecturer this week will be Kara. If you wanted to, yeah, totally. That sort of stuff works. Someone coming in to tell you about how they managed to keep two identities separate or how they know when to trust someone with identities and stuff. There's all things that they could do and pull people in for advice or lessons or teachings. Mr. Allen, how do you juggle keeping your identity a secret with living your normal life? Oh, I don't. I just tell everyone. Yeah, I just reveal it on a a weekly basis. Does that work? No, but that's what I do. I see there being potential in it and there's ways that you can rotate. Like I say, with it being a university, with it being like a training academy sort of idea... You can pull people in, you can pull people out, you can have interesting dynamics in there. It's just there's some stereotypical, isn't the word, but well-trodden paths that you (laughs) see in CW shows. You're like, I really don't want to see those episodes. (laughs) I know that they've kind of got to do them because it's there and it's obvious, but at the same time you're like, please don't, just be different. But John Diggle being the lead captured my interest. If they just told me they were developing an Arrowverse show of five racially diverse university student superheroes, I would be thinking, okay, I'll give it a watch. I can't say I'm that excited, but having John Diggle in the lead does excite me because I love that guy. I want to see more of him Mm. and I can't wait to see what excuse he'll have this week for not being Green Lantern. It's interesting for them to pitch it as the lead because I guess maybe he is the lead of the ensemble, but I don't see the show pivoting around him. It'd probably be a bit like Arrow or Supergirl in terms of setup, as in you have your lead character, but it is a ensemble team show. So Mm. your main character is Diggle, but everyone else has arcs and stories that orbit them or sometimes happen separately, just like in the other shows, really. I have the feeling that it was probably pitched as a superheroes at university, younger superheroes learning their thing, and then someone went, what character can we throw in as a mentor figure? Will we invent one or will we reuse this long list of characters that we have? And I imagine they would go straight to Diggle on that list because he's the one that makes the most sense, really. Yeah. I'm interested. I'll give it a chance, but I've been a bit more selective about the CW stuff I've been watching of late. (laughs) A lot of the new ones, if I've picked them up, I've not given them a ton of time. If I've not been enjoying them that much, if I get a few episodes in and it's not great, then I don't continue watching. Assuming it gets picked up, of course, which may not happen. Mm. It's not a guarantee. That's true. I really want them to resolve the Green Lantern plot, though, because they keep teasing it when he turns up in other shows. Most recently... He appeared in Batwoman, and this was after him in Supergirl last season deciding, I'm going to do this, I'm going to put on the ring and figure out what this is. Of course, they don't explicitly state that he has been chosen as a Green Lantern ring bearer, but it's pretty clear. The finale of Arrow, he opens a box and there's a green glow, and then the stuff he says when he appears again and other stuff alludes to that being what it's getting set up for. In his last appearance in Batwoman, he was looking for someone to help him because now that he's made the decision to embrace this destiny that he supposedly has, he can no longer open the box that has the ring in it. So he's looking for someone to help him open the box, which is just the funniest complication you can imagine. What will they think of next? I've opened the box and the ring isn't charged anymore. Turns out it was left on while in the box and has now drained. And I don't have the lantern to charge it. 
Where did I get one? I moved house recently to come and train you at this university, and I put it in one of the packing crates, and I can't remember which packing crate I put it in. That should be the next excuse. <laughs> the ring didn't come with the lantern, and I don't know that I need the lantern because no one told me what I'm actually doing here. It's just I've got this box with a ring in it that used to glow green and now no longer does. Was it ever confirmed as a ring, or was it just the green glow? No, you just see the green glow. You just see the green glow. You can extrapolate because when he met John Wesley Ship's Flash, he said, John, where's your ring? Stay tuned for the next chapter of Diggle's trying to be a Green Lantern, but they keep throwing up unnecessary roadblocks. I very much doubt that in Justice U, he will be Green Lantern leading this team. I imagine they'll have come up with some reason why he doesn't need to be Green Lantern or someone else can be it. Or maybe one of his team will be. (laughs) Could be. The ring got sick of waiting for you, so it went to this guy instead, this young guy, <laughs> for some reason. Would one of Diggle's kids be able to open the box? I don't know. They're pretty young at this point. Okay. I'm forgetting the ages of Diggle's kids. Has Barry not gone back in time and changed the age of these kids again? <laughs> yet, no? His son was born, now son, daughter at the time, was born in season three of Arrow. So it's only been about 10 or so years. Okay, too early for university then. Oh, well. Yeah, the kid will be too early. The Arrow finale confirmed that he now has two kids, so... Thanks for rebuilding the universe, Oliver, and giving me double the amount of children to raise and double the financial burden. That's great. Thanks for that. (laughs) We rebuilt the universe, John. We decided to give you triplets this time. (laughs) (laughs) But not a well-paying enough job to support those triplets. No. Enjoy financial difficulties, my best friend. Off you go. (laughs) But yeah, I'm interested in this, and it seems to point towards the CW sale not necessarily affecting them creating new content. Or maybe they're just throwing this around just to see what happens and then when the CW gets bought out, they'll decide we're not making this. Whoever buys it, maybe we could buy it. What, the CW? Yeah. I think it's about time Neil Before Blog and Pod expanded into network programming. I don't think we'd do too bad a job. Granted, we've got absolutely no money to invest in any of the shows. I'll offer them £10 and a packet of mini cheddars. That's a high offer, especially with the mini cheddars. When they accept it immediately, I'll then have to turn to my lawyer or whoever and be like... You think we should have made the offer without the mini cheddars to see if they would take it? Because now I'm down a packet of mini cheddars. And I love mini cheddars. Yeah, let's do it. Let's buy the CW. Make it happen. Do we have a financial controller at Neil Before Pod? Get a financial controller and then get them to make a bid for the CW. It could be one of those where we're the only bidder and they accept our low, low offer of £10 and a packet of mini cheddars. Oh, we sort of end up owning the CW by accident. Yeah, we end up inheriting their debt. There's a lot of debt yeah, here. It's that one where you can buy the company for a pound, but you're now responsible for all their losses and you immediately go bankrupt. Yeah, and they force us into weird contractual stuff like you have to keep producing the flash, but the scripts still have to be terrible. You're not allowed to improve the scripts. <laughs> you're not allowed to give notes. The company does not like to receive notes. Every now and again, Grant Gustin will come into your office and ask you to make the show better. Offer him an alteration to his costume. And then he will go away. You also have to make two Powerpuff Girl pilots per year and never commission the show. Yeah, I'll just keep writing increasingly problematic scripts for these Powerpuff shows (laughs) and then filming them. It's one of those, we'll retain the rights if we keep filming pilots, but never actually releasing (laughs) it. So we want to keep the rights, but we never actually want to do anything with it. There's people out there who want to make this, but we want to just keep the rights out of spite. Let's do that. We'll commission a bunch of horrible, horrible shows and some good ones. Well, why don't you see if Isaac can chip in in our purchase? Well, so anything else on the CW sale or Diggle and the Sexy Squad? That's what I'm going to call the show now. Diggle and the Sexy Squad. No, I have no questions. No further questions. No further questions. (laughs) Okay. Well, do you want to hop back on the transporter pad and I will beam you back to 
whatever nothing you were doing. Well, since I'm on the road not taken, I think I'll just stand here and thumb a lift. Well, thumb a lift from a transporter, because that's the sound effect I'm using. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, well, thanks for joining to spraff about these three things. Much appreciated. You're welcome. Energising. Okay, Isaac, we're back. Me. The last thing we discussed was to do with the CW, so we might as well stay on that. There is news of another Zorro property, which is quite interesting. Last month we talked about how there was an announcement about Zorro telenovela, believe it or not, which... Sounds crazy and interesting. But this, the CW are developing a gender-swapped reimagining of the classic masked vigilante character from filmmaker Robert Rodriguez, writer-director Rebecca Rodriguez, and so on. This is a new incarnation of the project, which was in development at NBC during the 2021 cycle. So it doesn't really say anything about what it is other than it's Zorro but a woman. Yeah. But sure. I've seen the Zorro movie with Antonio Banderas. That's my Zorro knowledge. I've seen the two of them, yeah. I know that he's a much bigger character than that. There's a bunch of like old serials. There was a video game that I had way back that I played, actually, a Zorro video game that had nothing to do with the film. Yeah, the sense of Zorro being like this masked adventurer character that you don't really fully know. Is it much of a character change if it is a woman, a Zorro? Because it's still the same, jumps off the thingy and lands on the horse and fast with the sword and stuff. I suppose the same with most, I was going to say like Batman, but Batman's inspired by Zorro. <laughs> yeah, you can do both. Obviously people on the internet won't like it because they're on the internet. <laughs> and it's a woman. It's a woman. It's Brie Larson. No one likes it for some reason. <laughs> it's that sort of thing. It's a world that this is possible. It's fine. It wouldn't need a massive change to the myth of the character. So, yeah, go for it. Will it be a period piece or will it be someone picking up the mantle of Zorro in the modern day? On the CW, I would guess the latter, just because it's cheaper to film in modern day Vancouver and make it look like even the Wild West or wherever Zorro is. The Antonio Banderas version, isn't he the latest Zorro? It's like a legacy thing that gets passed down or whatever. Yeah, he's the, is it not Anthony Hopkins who's the older Zorro? Maybe, I've not seen it in a long time. Yeah, there is a previous generation of Zorro in the movie. It's a mantle that you can pass along. Yeah. Knowing the CW, I'm guessing there'll be young, attractive, 20-something, finds out about the mantle of Zorro, decides to take it up. There'll be the previous Zorro, who's too old to do it now, but is still able to train her. That's probably the the premise. There we go, I've made a show. It's cheaper to do it modern day, but I think it'd be really fun just doing it in the whenever Zorro set. Back in the swords days. The days of swords. The days of swords and horses and gallowing around. Masks. Yeah, masks. As much as you can still jump off and onto a motorbike, but you can't whistle for your motorbike to arrive unless you're Idris Elba in Fast and Furious. Yeah, so my guess is modern day, previous Zorro is her mentor. He or she is injured and can't do it anymore, or is just a bit too old to do it. Actually, also, modern day could just have a horse. Horses are still around. Yeah, horses still exist. (laughs) So they could just do horses. Oh, that's fine then, yeah. Modern day's good. Yeah, it works for me. So yeah, I'll give this a watch. It's a CW thing. As I discussed with Chris, we're probably going to be buying the CW anyway because it's up for sale. Yeah, you're going to be buying it. Yeah, see if they'll accept our bid of £10 and a packet of mini cheddars. It's on the table. See what they say. Hopefully the meeting doesn't go on too long, otherwise it might just be £10. <laughs> yeah, Chris sat there. Uh, the cheddars are no longer negotiable. We have eaten the mini cheddars. <laughs> so there we go. Zorro. Keep an eye out for that when it appears. Next up, we will flip back to Marvel. Say flip back. Well, we will, because we talked about Marvel just before I looped Chris in. We have some more news on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, where Bill Murray is going to be the villain, perhaps. 
The revelation came straight from the actor himself, who during a recent appearance on the Eli Manning show elaborated on the nature of his character with the kind of disinterested extemporaneousness we've come to expect from the man. Murray, who initially confirmed his casting for the film in October, was pressed by the retired NFL star quarterback during the course of a casual outdoor dining interview to describe his character's powers for the Marvel movie, leading to a characteristically pithy answer. My powers is, I'm a bad guy, states Murray in signature dry fashion between bites of his burger. And that's all he said. So he's probably going to be the villain. What villain that'll be, who knows? Egghead? There's already Kang? Yes. Walton Goggins was in two, wasn't he? He was just some sort of guy yeah he was just a guy maybe they can just be a guy just a villain yeah like maybe one of like hank pym's early working partners who set up another thingy and claims he stole his tech or something just a guy with a grudge could be a small role to be fair but that's that there's not much more to say about it he's going to be the villain or a villain moving on to werewolf by night we have another bit of casting laura donnelly who was in the nivers a show i still haven't seen and outlander which is a show i really like she's going to be joining werewolf by night the halloween special which is out this year and that's about all we know she is going to be in it she could be a character called nina price who becomes vampire by night price is the niece of the character jack russell slash werewolf by night and a vampire slash werewolf <laughs> hybrid i know brilliant it's called jack russell yeah he's called jack russell brilliant i like it all so far she carried the lichen gene was changed after being bitten by a vampire so there we go brilliant why not okay laura donnelly's good certainly an outlander she's good in that she plays jamie fraser's sister forget the character's name at the moment but it's jamie fraser's sister in that show if you haven't seen outlander that means nothing to you yeah but she's been cast and she's good so that should be good it should be fun this halloween special that will appear in disney plus yes all right next bit of marvel news we have guardians of the galaxy volume 3 will signal the end of the current team of guardians james gunn has confirmed he said this is the end of us he set out saying Volume 3 will be the last time people will see this team of Guardians. Teasing a shift in tone for the movie, which is scheduled for release next year, he continued. It's big, it's so, so big and dark and different from what people might be expecting it to be. I just want to be true to the characters, the story and give people the wrap up that they deserve for this story. That's always a little bit scary, but I'm doing my best. So it's going to be the end of an era and it's this iteration of the Guardians because the Guardians can essentially just be a group of people doing stuff in space. So you can have any configuration of people that you want. In fact, the second film ended with Stallone forming his own team of Guardians. Yeah, it's like the Avengers. You can swap them out. It's a group. But is this the last James Gunn Guardians? Other than the holiday special and possibly the I Am Groot animated thing, which I think he's involved in. Yes, but it's kind of wrapping up his trilogy. So that and the holiday special, that'll be his swan song, which, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I don't know about that. He's doing other stuff now. He's doing DC stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's good to give someone else a, a swing at the Guardians and take it a different direction, so sure. Speaking of people packing it in, Tom Holland might not be back as Spider-Man, according to what he said in a recent interview. This big interview that they did on YouTube with Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. Can we just, can we say it now? They're in it, right? Okay, they're officially confirming it, so therefore I'm just going to say it. The other two Spider-Men are in the film. There we go. It feels good to be able to talk about it openly after dancing around it for so long, after seeing the film before other people saw the film. But there was a big interview on YouTube where they all talked, and it was really good. You should watch it, the whole thing. But he was specifically asked about his future as Spider-Man, and he said, the truthful answer, and I've done a whole press tour where all I do is lie, the truth is, and you're not going to like it, I don't know the answer to that question. This film for me was as special as an experience could ever be. Sharing the screen with those guys, 
playing Spider-Man could be quite an alienating experience because, you know, we're the only three blokes who have done it, except for Nicholas Hammond. So to share that with you two, it's been such a wonderful experience of which I have such amazing memories. I don't know, there's part of me that feels like it's the perfect time to jump off the building and swing off into the sunset and let the next lucky young kid come in to don the suit. Or I might, I don't know, buy a new house and need a paycheck and I'll be back. We don't know when the next Spider-Man movie is going to be, if they're going to take a break. I know he's swung the idea before, it'd be nice to see a Miles Moranis or uh, Spider-Gwen. He can do anything really, he doesn't, he doesn't have to come back. Yeah, what I think's happening here, and what a lot of people seem to think is happening here, that he's doing what they call negotiating in the press, making rumblings about, maybe I won't sign up again so that the studio get nervous and just offer more money. Yeah, exactly. See what the future holds. He's got his whole career sort of ahead, and he might want to do different things, which is understandable. So we'll see what happens. I'm sure Sony will offer him a load of money, and he'll be like, right, fine, three more. Yeah. Tom Holland. Want to see you back? To be fair, now that we're finally at the version of Spider-Man that I kind of want to see, let's move on to DC. Let's jump universes. Batgirl. There is some stuff out. In fact, most of our DC stuff is about Batgirl. First up is the reveal of the costume. Leslie Grace shared a picture of her in costume on Instagram, which I don't have, but I was able to find a website that was able to screenshot Instagram. So there it is. Looks great. It looks like that comic run of Batgirl that I've read, the Burnside one, where she's college student in Burnside. Is that the name of the place? Yes, I think that's the one they're going from. The next bit of news is where yeah, her remake from that era has been cast in the show. Yeah, Ivory Aquino cast transgender. Yes. So that's cool. Yeah, they've got that era that they're going for. Yeah, it's as good as a Batgirl costume you're going to get. <laughs> it does look good. It looks like an accurate suit. Yeah. And Leslie Grace looks quite at home in the part. Yeah, looks right. Looks like Batgirl. Should be fun. Yeah. So we already discussed Ivory Aquino, who I don't know from anything else but she's casting that so she'll be is it she yeah it's she isn't it that's the i think so the proper pronoun let's read it and find out alicia yo yeah it's a she so that's the pronoun that we go with also there were some set photos from glasgow which is gotham again and there was a mural that had michael keaton's batman on it which notably also featured a robin which is interesting well i suppose it's been quite some time so you guys assume that this batman's develop the family and also it's another avenue that they can explore in future movies and stuff but it's unclear what universe this is set in whether michael keaton's doing more universe hopping or if it's the snyder universe which seems likely if jk simmons is in it it might be a case you could pick actors and characters and then just bring them where you want them in. so you think jk simmons is commissioner gordon and michael keaton's universe as well he might not be locked into one specific universe within dc they like that character they like the actor he's easy to work with i mean it's like yeah we'll bring him into the next one and he can be this gordon as well yeah maybe we'll find out but michael keaton's in it too it's kind of a shame that this isn't coming out in cinemas it's just an hbo max thing i feel like it'd be a really good thing to watch in cinemas yeah it's always a shame with it's hbo max we don't have it <laughs> well turn up on sky which usually happens with a lot of hbo stuff we'll be able to catch it somehow stuff like that usually gets international distribution because snyder cut that was hbo max but it appeared everywhere so we wouldn't worry about it but i'd like to see it in the cinema that'd be good the tv stuff is as good looking as you know things you would get but this is actually a movie um, oh yeah in that case it would be good to be in the cinema hopefully we could do a, a limited release or a yeah we could go see it yeah that'd be fun last bit of dc news is james gunn is developing another tv show 
spinning off from the Suicide Squad and might be getting a second season of Peacemaker, which I would love because I love the show, and another spin-off from the Suicide Squad. There aren't that many options of who it could be if they're going to use characters from that film, because, spoiler alert for the Suicide Squad, the only survivors are Idris Elba, Harley Quinn, King Shark, and Weasel, and Ratcatcher 2. Yeah, probably Ratcatcher we'll go for. Yeah, do you think Idris Elba would do a series? On HBO Max, probably. Maybe. But it's just another guy with guns, isn't it? So. Yeah, like I said in the film, he does the same thing as Peacemaker. <laughs> yeah, that's the joke, isn't it? They're the same guy. Yeah, it's a bit redundant. I think Ratcatch would be more of an interesting one to go for because, yeah, just a different character with a different skill set. Also, they have a whole different life prior to the film with Ratcatcher 1. Yeah. There's like a whole area they could explore there. So I think that's the one. King Shark? Would he be interesting enough on his own? Probably not. Quite expensive. Yeah. One who's a human. <laughs> he doesn't have to be a total CGI thing. I think Ratcatch is probably the most likely. Yeah, although the actual quote is, we're working on something else now, another TV show that's connected to that universe. So that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be someone who was in that film. Yeah. So it could just be someone they mention in Peacemaker or someone who appears in Peacemaker, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, they could just tie it in. Yeah. It could be a totally separate thing they then tie in later. Harley Quinn, would you get Margot Robbie to do a TV series? Again, probably. Maybe. I'm assuming they have more film plans with her. I guess so. We'll find out, but that's going to be another one. So I'm up for that. I'm definitely up for yep. that, especially after how good Peacemaker has been. So that's us done with our three pillars. Let's move over to Doctor Who. So a rumour surfaced that David Tennant might be not reprising his role. He might just be the next Doctor. So he looks the same, but he'll be different. Russell T Davies coming back. Suggestion is that the actor might be coming back. But you told me that that leak was something else. The original leak, which I think is from the same person who had leaked The Return of the Sea Devils, which is now true. And the same guy that leaked the casting of the Master, the most recent Master. Yes, so they've had some credibility. It was actually David Tennant will appear in 2023 in Doctor Who, along with Donna, Catherine Tate, in either the 60th special or another special or a series or whatever they are planning for that year. And it was, they saw David Tennant returning 2023 and then just went with that headline. Okay. <laughs> oh, obviously he's, he's returning as the Doctor as opposed to he's doing a presumably multi-Doctor or just a 10th Doctor special thing, which could be a thing. I think that's possible. I think him being the 14th Doctor is very unlikely as a guess. Although it has been teased as a possibility in universe, because on the 50th special, Tom Baker said, maybe you'll go back and revisit some of your favourite faces over the next few regenerations. It is a possibility, but it's not an interesting possibility. <laughs> That's out of a line so they could include Tom Baker, even though he's old. He couldn't be the Doctor again. It was just a way of getting him in. I think David Tennant doing a whole new go as a Doctor would be weird. It wouldn't look like they have much faith in it either. Because they're getting back... We'll see Davis, he's giving another go. He's having some of his production team returning, though with his own Bad Wolf company. They don't want it to look like, oh, we're doing the greatest hits from when the show was in its second, third series, when it was still the hot new thing. I think if they do bring it back, we'll see Davis, it's not to do that again. I think it's to do a new thing. So I think if they were bringing back him and also David Tennant, it looks weak. It looks like they're like, oh, we just need to do what was good 15 years ago when it was super popular. So I think they would avoid it for a sense of... It'd be more suspicious than it would be good publicity. Yeah, although equally it wouldn't surprise me. It'd be weird if they did it. It could be a, similar to a Joe Martin or John Hurt one. It could be a Time Lord Victorious situation, like an alternate where that happened. It could be a what if 
maybe. But I don't think it'd be like, oh yeah, he's doing it for three years or whatever. Well, the thing with David Tennant is his career's moved on as well. He doesn't shouldn't be going back to another run as the same character for a long period of time. Coming back for one-offs here and there, fine. Also, if they cast him again, they have to change the character. They have to make him different in some way. So where's the appeal there? Because the appeal of that version of the character is the way he is. Yeah, it'd be weird. It'd be hard to get it to work. I think it would only work in the sense of a what if. I don't think it would work as he's a whole new style of Doctor, but it just happens to have the face he used to have a couple before. There wasn't a recent teaser that BBC released that was pointing towards Jodie Whittaker's regeneration and the clips were either of her or David Tennant in that teaser. I saw that the other day. Oh, I don't know about that. I do know they've announced that it's a non-TARDIS regeneration. That's all I've heard. Okay. And that's like an official BBC production diary thing. No caving in the set then. <laughs> yeah, they've dismantled the set and like, we did the final one in the TARDIS and the next day was the location shoot for the regeneration. But that's all that has been official or I'm aware of. But they do tend to use David Tennant a lot in their promotion because him and Matt Smith are like the bankable ones and that's why he keeps showing up in Big Finish, comics, books. We did a Time Lord Victorious thing with him in 2021. He's still a big sell as that Doctor, so no matter what the situation is, they always point him in. Yeah, fair enough. He's a Tom Baker of new Doctor Who. doesn't matter which era it is, they're going to put him on the poster because he's the Doctor as a general. That's the one you think of. I'm guessing as a, a, I'm guessing the 60th anniversary special will be a multi-Doctor story and David Tennant will be one of them. That's likely. If this does happen, that's what I think will be the case. We'll find out. Just an interesting rumour. Very bizarre rumour. Yes. Our next item is actually fresh in. It was something that was revealed just before we started recording. Normally this happens straight after we finish recording, so we're ahead of the game this time. But it's been announced that David Hayter, aka the voice of Solid Snake, if you're into Metal Gear Solid, if not, he wrote the script for X-Men and stuff. He is going to be adapting a video game series that I've never played called American McGee's Alice, an action-adventure game from publisher Electronic Arts, the company that everybody loves, of course. The drama series, which sees EA continue to broaden the video games market with a foray into TV, will be developed as the first small screen treatment of the American McGee's Alice franchise. No broadcast or streaming platform has yet acquired the series. Now in development, Hater is best known for penning screenplays for box office hits like X-Men, X-Men 2, Watchmen, The Scorpion King, and Netflix's Warrior Nun. The game series is a groundbreaking reimagining of the classic tale, Alice in Wonderland. It takes you into the heart of a corrupted Wonderland and throws light into the shadowy corners the world has never seen. I'm beyond excited to bring this world of madness and wonder to a global audience, said Hater. Yeah, so I have played the American McGee's. I've played... Alice Madness Returns, which is the PS3 version. And I think the first one was on PC, which I've not played, but it was very visually impressive. I remember there was a more papercraft part of it. It was very goth, very sort of emo-y, but I remember it was one of the funner goth versions of Wonderland. So yeah, I'm down for this. I think it should be fun. Well, the Wonderland book series is pretty twisted, isn't it, originally? It's not the Disney version, which is in itself a little bit twisted, but it's even more twisted than the original. Yeah. This one, it's not dissimilar to the awful film Sucker Punch. You know how the world is just terrible and everything awful is going on, so they have this fantasy. It does a bit of that in the game I played. Like the Mad Hatter is just someone that they know and a factory owner who's just cruel and you know, Treasure Cat's this other person. And I think there's opium involved because it's like the Victorian era and stuff. So it kind of does that sort of is this a real wonderland or is this just to escape the horrors of life style thing? It's more emo and grim and depressing, but it's a fun take. 
the second game was very popular. Not like cult following level, but I remember at the time there was a lot of chat going on around it. So it'll be fun to revisit this particular Wonderland and see how it works as a TV show. Mm. And I've like David Hater's work in Scream before, so why not? Might be all right. I only know him as Snake. Well, you've seen X-Men and X-Men 2 and Watchmen, I assume. Oh yeah, he did X-Men. He wrote the scripts for those. Yeah, because this is like a show in a sense, so he might have more control than... It'll be interesting to see you know, how he wants it to go or like which themes he wants to look at. Because I'm assuming in X-Men, he just work on the script, but he wasn't involved in the directing and all the extra stuff that goes into stuff. I hope he voices the Cheshire Cat and makes him sound like Snake. I think he would be the best to sound like Snake. I just keep coming back to the Cheshire Cat. <laughs> the hookah smoking caterpillar. Like the one who's always smoking that thing. Could have a gravelly voice. Chain smoking voice. That would work. I'm sure he'll put himself in somewhere. Yeah, why not? In the Victorian world, he could be the gravelly voice Londoner. Or he could just be Snake. Could just be Snake. Solid Snake turns up. Is he also in Wonderland? Is he doing a mission? <laughs> He's sneaking about in Wonderland. Just putting on weird Wonderland camel. Just kicking about. <laughs> Okay, next up, we have some Star Wars news. Mary Elizabeth Winstead has been cast in Ahsoka in an unknown role. That's it. She's going to be in that show. She's great. She's really good in Scott Pilgrim and in Sasami Man and Birds of Prey. So, yeah. In Die Hard. Is she in Die Hard? She's in Die Hard 4 and the fifth one, but in one scene. Final Destination 3. She's the main teen. <laughs> and she is Ewan McGregor's girlfriend. I think they're married. Crossover. Perhaps. <laughs> Depends who she's playing. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the Ahsoka series. I'm looking forward to Star Wars with lightsabers and the Force and stuff. I'm very much a lightsabers and the Force person when it comes to Star Wars. I seem to be as well. I think it's sometimes it does kind of need that to be different from just another space opera. It needs that very Star Warsy element. The Mandalorian is essentially a Western, right? And so is Boba Fett more or less. So the two shows are very similar in that respect, which makes me worry that that's going to be the vibe of all the shows they're doing which is not what i want because i want it to be different i want there to be things that i'll enjoy versus things i won't enjoy i want to enjoy it all but if i'm not going to enjoy some of it i'd like there to be variety there yeah exactly so that i can enjoy other things and the thing about ahsoka when i saw her in the mandalorian i didn't watch the episode i watched the scenes that she was in because i couldn't bear to watch a whole episode but i wanted to watch her first live action appearance wanted to see what it was like and she'd lost that spark she has in the Clone Wars and Rebels shows. She doesn't have the effervescent personality that she has in those shows, which makes me worry about she's just going to be bleak and morose when she shows up in her own show. And that's not what I want. That's not why people want to see Ahsoka. Like, oh yeah, the Ahsoka series, she's miserable, brilliant, fantastic. Let's just watch that. Great. So I really hope that she has that spark back. I don't think Rosario Dawson really captured her inner life in the way that Ashley Eckstein's voice did. You've seen enough Clone Wars to know what Ahsoka's like. Yeah, I've seen especially the most recent or the final Clone Wars series. Yeah, so I'm really hoping that she gets her groove back. Yeah, it could be a storyline. She's seen the worst of the worst. The world has fallen around her and she's kind of a bit bitter with time and against her old master and stuff. That and the Obi-Wan series are the ones I'm more looking forward to. So any news about those progressing is happy news. I understand the whole idea of she's a bit beaten down by the world around her and things like that. It's like Andrew Garfield in Spider-Man No Way Home. It suggests this darker take on him and I'm thinking, I don't want to see that film. So just like with that, I don't want to see a darker take on Ahsoka. I just want to see Ahsoka. Yeah, because Hayden Christensen's coming back for that one. So hopefully there's some... Flashbacky stuff? Yeah. Some training stuff, which would be nice. Have to de-age her somehow. And they got a billion, billion, trillion pounds. <laughs> it's fine. Or when she has flashbacks, it's just in Clone Wars animation for some reason. Yeah, they just show bits of the Clone Wars. <laughs> they just put the voices over it, don't they? Or they create new footage, but in the Clone Wars style, and that's just how she remembers it. <laughs>
Yeah. That would be a good stylistic thing, actually. I would really like that. Yeah, it could work. Good way of differentiating the real from the memory. Yeah. We're still on Disney next. There's going to be a Moana sequel TV series on Disney+. Plus. They've added a director, David G. Derek Jr. It's going to be released on Disney+, Plus sometime in 2024, after being pushed back from 2023. So we've got quite a while to wait. There is no word yet on casting for the sequel as to whether the likes of Dwayne Johnson could be reprising his role. It doesn't really say what the sequel will be. I think a lot of Disney things is... It feels like this is over. It feels like there's not a story to tell here, really. Moana was great. I loved it. I thought it was excellent, but... I don't feel the need to see any more of it. I've not seen Moana. I know they are taking the movies and expanding out those worlds. You know, they're all very popular movies. And there's a lot of Disney Plus stuff that is not Marvel and Star Wars. And it's an easy frame to go down when you've already got these films that kids are familiar with. I'm sure there'll be more Encanto, Coco, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo sort of thing. Yeah, maybe not The Rock, but... Is it Boba Fett in Moana? Yes, Tamura Morrison is the voice of Moana's father. He can turn up back again and <laughs> can do some more songs. I mean, Disney do have a lot of money. It's like, well, what are their limits? It's like, they don't really have any limits. They can just do whatever. <laughs> Sometimes they don't know when to stop, such as our next one. The next one is we have a live-action version of the Aristocats coming out at some point. It's an early development. Peter Rabbit director Will Gluck. Peter Rabbit is that James Corden thing, so I've never seen it and never will. And Onward writer Keith Bunin, I think it's pronounced, are set to pen the script, with Glock also producing via his Olive Bridge Entertainment banner. The original 1970 film follows a family of aristocratic cats, and there's a butler that tries to kill them or something. It's not one I remember all that well, and I'm not surprised that that's on the list for achieving live-action status. We'll probably get some CGI cats, hopefully not like the cats in Cats. Or maybe it'll be real cats, the animated faces, I don't know. Don't do the Lion King thing again, because that was kind of confusing. Unlike the Lion King, there are actual human characters in the Aristocats. Yeah, they can do the cats as the cats. They can play with the features and the styles to sort of make them a bit more cartoony. But yeah, like you said, it's on the list. Disney's made an animated film and they'll remake it as a, either an updated or a live action. So it's coming. It's all coming. Moving on, the recent Mortal Kombat movie is getting a sequel for some reason. They have hired Jeremy Slater, who's the head writer on Moon Knight, which may or may not be a good thing, depending on how Moon Knight turns out. I did not like the Mortal Kombat film, the most recent one, so I don't really want another one. I missed it. I've also not played the games, but I know they didn't do a Mortal Kombat. No. This time they can do a Mortal Kombat. They mentioned the tournament a lot and then ultimately just didn't have it because they were cheating. (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot of rubbish. For the people who like it and want to see a proper tournament this is a sort of movie where now they can just go like okay let's do a tournament i think that's probably the easier way to write it like yeah it just have x versus y and just to do a couple of action scenes and then have a maybe they're trying to break out the tournament sort of storyline mixed in but i think you can do a lot of fan pleasing with a second movie in that franchise because now you can just do all the moves all the fatalities the settings i can see why they're doing another one it makes sense i don't know how it did find out well nothing we did well financially it was a HBO Max release, really. Were cinemas open at the time? I can't even remember. No, they were, because I know a couple of people that saw it in the cinema. I just didn't bother because I'd already seen it. I think it was roughly around the Suicide Squad sort of time, when there was some things out, but also streaming. But yeah, I can see why this makes sense. They'll probably push this one could be the cinema one. This is the one you have to see in IMAX because it's going to be blood and gore and bones on like a hundred foot screen. So I think this makes sense. I bet there's lots of people who are excited about this who love the games and the series. Okay, next up, another thing I don't really want. Apple TV has secured the rights to develop a TV series set in the MonsterVerse, like Godzilla and so on. They are going to be doing a TV series of that. It's co-created by Matt Fraction, the Hawkeye guy. 
as in the comic writer who did Cockeye. The Monarch spin-off is tentatively titled Hourglass, a clear reference to the secret organisation's logo. Casting is currently underway for the series, with production currently scheduled to get underway in May. Cameras are expected to roll until November as the series moves around the globe, splitting the time between Tokyo, Vancouver and Hawaii. Hourglass picks up following the thunderous battle between Godzilla and the Titans that levelled San Francisco, and the shocking new reality that monsters are real. It's said to focus on one family's journey to uncover its buried secrets and a legacy linking them to the secret organisation known as Monarch. I don't really want this. The monster verse movies are in theory something I should like, but I don't because they all, with the exception of Kong Skull Island, suck. And I'm including Godzilla vs. Kong in this. It doesn't justify the time you spend waiting for those three fights that they have in the film because most of these films are just really boring people standing around in boring locations full of screens talking about monsters. And it sounds like this is what this series is just going to be. Yeah, the Monster vs. is a weird one. I didn't see the versus Kong film. But it seems to be like, the Mortal Kombat thing we are just saying, it seems to be like an easy, all the monsters are kind of part of the world already, you don't have to explain them much. And you don't really have to do an interesting version of them, or a new take on what they are. You can just throw them in and throw a of CGI at the screen. So it's a blockbuster series. I can see why it'd be a thing that Apple would do, because it's a good, big budget carnage film basically blow loads of stuff up or it'll just be a series featuring this family where you occasionally see grainy footage of godzilla on a tv screen i don't think they'll do that again you say that but that's exactly what they did in godzilla versus kong it was still full of people just standing around in rooms talking about what was going on rather than actually showing you what was going on we were all there for the second one godzilla king of the monsters weren't we we, all, we saw that in imax and we came out just thinking how can a film about this many giant monsters be so boring just whatever it's baffling how you can have godzilla mothra king Ghidorah, etc in this film duking it out and have it be so boring <laughs> that takes skill to make it that dull yeah big scale's fun to watch but also it's messy and meaningless because <laughs> there's like no real stakes it's everything's just being destroyed all the yeah. time and all the time it takes to get to those points that you want to see the characters that they have are never that interesting as well i couldn't tell you a single thing about any character in any of them really apart from brian cranston in the first one who gets killed within the first half hour or so i remember the city in the center of the earth yeah. and there was like the guy who was like oh I knew there was a city in the centre of the earth and that's the only thing I kind of remember from King of the Monsters Godzilla vs Kong is all about the hollow earth thing that's a thing in there and Charles Dance builds Mecha Godzilla spoilers for this film that no one bothered to watch because it came out on streaming I watched it there and I was thinking if I enjoy this I'll go see it in IMAX when cinemas reopen and it was there in IMAX but I was thinking I don't want to sit through the abundance of boring content just to get to these fights just don't want to do it. Can I just watch a super cut of the fights? I would be happy with that. It's a bit like when you try to watch a Transformers movie, especially some of the later ones. It's, can I just skip to the bits where the robots are fighting? I don't want to watch Mark Wahlberg drinking a warm beer that falls out of a truck. Yeah, you just get to the fun. Just get to the nonsense. Yeah. Your characters are boring. Just move on. So yeah, I'm not fussed about this. It just feels like it's unnecessary, but whatever. Yeah, it's most like join the conversation about King of the Monsters after what the, the news was. Sorry, Godzilla. Monarch TV series. Boring people in rooms talking about monsters. That's what it's going to be. Oh, yeah, nah. Nah, we're good. Back at Disney, Percy Jackson and the Olympians series has been officially picked up at Disney+. Plus. The series adaptation of the book series was first reported being in the works at the streamer back in 2020. Casting is currently underway. That's about it. They're making it into a TV series. I haven't seen the Percy Jackson movies. Oh, I understand they are fine, if you like that sort of thing. Yeah, I know a few people who like the 
book series. It was kind of in like the Harry Potter fantasy era where it'll have enough following to give it another go. Did you ever read those the Red Wall books? They were around sort of the same time as they were really big in like 2001 during the Lord of the Rings thing. I know they did at one point announce a Red Wall show, which is a sort of fantasy kingdom with rabbits and badgers and stuff. But it's not getting made yet. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of the shows it's been like in development hell for like 10 years or whatever, <laughs> whenever Harry Potter ended. But yeah, in terms of Percy Jackson, there's definitely will be an audience for this. Because they did the Alex Ryder show, which I know is not the same thingy, but it is teen fiction for when our generation were teens. <laughs> Being redone as a serialised format. So yeah, this could be a good thing. Could be a lot of fun. So yeah, it sounds good. According to IMDb, Logan Lerman and Alexandra Daddario and so on were in the films. One of them at least was directed by Chris Columbus. I think they skewed younger. I guess younger viewers liked them never seen them it was after lord of things and harry potter and they did this they did the widow in the wardrobe they did all of them what else could we adapt yeah it just flooded the market it seems to be sort of coming back again lord of the rings show coming up as well it's having another resurgence and let's talk about the lord of the rings show now prime videos lord of the rings tv series unveils their title and the title is the lord of the rings the rings of power what a weird Power Rangers title. <laughs> I mean, it's affiliated with the source. It is, yeah. There is the Rings of Power. There's... It was the third age, isn't it? The Lord of the Rings yeah. trilogy. Looks expensive. Yeah. It's going to be impressive. I'm more excited to see what it looks like than the story. I'm more excited for the spectacle of it than the characters and the actual events of the episodes. going to appear in September. September 2nd is apparently when it starts, so it's not too far away, actually. I'll give it a watch. I like Lord of the Rings, obviously. Yeah, Lord of the Rings is good. Everyone likes Lord of the Rings. Should be impressive. If boring, it'll still be impressive, so... (laughs) The next bit of news is a weird one. Arnie shared a cryptic poster of himself as Zeus that looks really bad. It's awful Photoshop or whatever. It's got nothing about what this is, if it's a film or anything. A lot of people believe it's an ad for the Super Bowl. Some people believe that he would be maybe in Shazam or something. It looks like it's probably just a Super Bowl ad, but it looks ridiculous. It's probably an advert, yeah. I thought it was like an advert. But we'll find out in February. It's just coming February 2022, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Zeus. It's an advert or it's a a brand event. Maybe he's launching the new iPhone or something. (laughs) We'll find out in February. We'll find out possibly when you're listening to this or after you've listened to this or before you've listened to this. Who knows? All right, next up is a thing called Luck. It's an upcoming animated adventure from Skydance Animation and Apple Original Films. It will be on Apple TV Plus on August 5th. Directed by Peggy Holmes, Luck follows the story of Sam Greenfield, ostensibly the unluckiest person alive. After aging out of foster care, Greenfield embarks on a journey to the land of luck, working with a group of magical creatures to change the course of her life. Interesting. Yeah, very similar to what we were just saying about the resurgence of fantasy. Sounds a little bit like... What was that game that was recently either advertised or released that kind of looked a bit like The Legend of Zelda for the PS5? Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it's called, but, but I know what you're talking about, yeah. It's given that sort of vibe, like a, a mystical, magical, enchanted exploration adventure-sounding thing. The picture looks cool. It's the woman, the girl with the dragon, and a little black cat. Yeah, the enchanted called Magical Land. I'll watch this, for sure. Definitely give this yeah, a Yeah, it looks fun. Okay, moving on. Quantum Leap is getting a reboot or a sequel set at NBC with a pilot order. It's being advertised as a reboot, but it's not a reboot. It's a follow-up series set in the present day, 30 years since Dr. Sam Beckett, Scott Bakula, disappeared. And now a new team has been assembled to restart the project in the hopes of understanding the mysteries behind the machine and the man who created it. It's taken long enough. It's just more kicking around. Quantum Leap, it's an interesting idea. I've not seen too much of the original show, but... 
It's a cool idea. Yeah, it's open for endless possibilities because you're just trying to get home and you can't. You can keep that going for forever, basically. And the end title card in the final episode was Sam Beckett never returned home or whatever it was. It was basically confirmed, yeah, he's lost forever. He's lost forever. Until the sequel series when they find him again. It'd be like, never returned home, dot, dot, as the same man. (laughs) He leaps into himself the day before he gets in the machine to tell himself not to get in the machine. Or, yeah, he'll find a new home or something like that. There's always happy endings. But also, if you do a happy ending, you can't make any more show, so... Well, they just cancelled it anyway. You've seen the film Source Code, I assume, with Jake Gyllenhaal. It was essentially the same idea. No, I don't think so. The idea in that show is his consciousness could be shoved into a parallel reality, as they called it in the film, and he gets put inside the body of someone that's a similar build and whatever to he is. Spoiler alert, but the film ends with him just deciding to take over this guy's brain and become him, which is a weird ending. But it's a really good film, and Scott Bakula has a voice cameo in it to allude to the fact that, yeah, this is quantum leap. <laughs> we're just, we're borrowing this idea. Saves time to pay the royalties, but all that, the legal thing is like, oh, put him in. Yeah, we'll put him in. Then we'd have to pay for copyright. Yeah. Unlike that Lockdown film that got sued for being too much like Escape from New York. Oh yeah, we're hearing about Or that. Lockout or whatever it's called. That one. It's a good film though. It's a shame it got sued. <laughs> I actually enjoyed it. Moving on, we have Battlestar Galactica. There's going to be a film and a TV series and it turns out they're going to share a universe. So Simon Kinberg is doing the film and the TV series is being done elsewhere, but they are going to share a universe. And that's about it. I like Battlestar Galactica. I thought the 2005 series was really, really good. So the fact of them doing it again, especially so soon, is not something that I'm excited about. It's sharing a universe. Why not? It's all the rage. But I don't know. What can you do that they didn't do last time? What can they do that's better or different than last time? I don't know. I've never seen Battlestar. There's Battlestar Galactica, Babylon 5 and Blake 7. I don't know which is which. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> They're all kind of set on spaceships, maybe. And there's maybe the robots that fight the R2-2 in The Simpsons. I think the fun of Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar is with the Cylons. They wipe out humanity, essentially. Yeah. And then there's a fleet that runs away from them. Babylon 5 is a space station and a galactic community it's a bit like Star Trek but it's not like Star Trek I've never really seen much of Babylon 5 that's due a reboot pretty soon on the CW actually and Blake 7 is a BBC sci-fi show that my dad really likes that I don't know an awful lot about I think they steal a ship and run away so it's kind of like Doctor Who in that way but it's also very different and it's one that they've never managed to get off the ground as a reboot for some reason as far as I'm aware it's BBC's go at Star Trek, essentially just using Doctor Who actors and sets that they had kicking around. I think like Colin Baker was in it as like a pirate or something. So those three, the sort of names were, I have a vague image of like one show <laughs> that could be all three of those shows where it's not exactly Star Trek and not exactly Star Wars, <laughs> but it's just kind of the sort of vibe. Well, the thing about the Battlestar Galactica reboot is you'll probably recognise a lot of the actors that came into prominence around that time in other sci-fi stuff, like Trisha Helfer, for example. She started showing up in a lot of sci-fi fantasy stuff after that point because I guess she got the bug and so on. Aaron Douglas, I'm just going to plug it here, interviewed the guy last year. He was great to talk to. He's the chief in Battlestar Galactica, or was. He's really cool. He's a character I really liked. Edward James almost played the commander, or later Admiral Adama. Great cast, and it was a great setup. It was really dark and it was really bleak, but for some reason I was into it at the time, I guess. Maybe if it was on now, I'd be like, oh God, this is dreary. You know, I've just been beaten down by dreary yeah. sci-fi. So I don't want much more of it, to be honest. But I'll give it a go, obviously. And the fact that it's going to share a universe with the movie is interesting. So I wonder what the focus will be on both. 
We'll see. Is there like pockets in that world where you have like your main team and then you can have like different worlds or different societies or villain worlds? In the 2005 reboot series, most of it was centered on the fleet. The whole point is they have to stay together for survival purposes and they were sort of being chased yeah. by the Cylons. But there were characters that were stuck on like the irradiated wasteland that was the planets that they inhabited. And occasionally you would get characters that disappear off to go do something else in different places. So it can be a bit of both, I suppose. I wonder if the film will be the pilot effectively and then the TV series will pick up after it. I don't know. Yeah, it can branch off and do either missions or different parts of the world, the universe and stuff. So imagine the film will be like the characters you already know and that stuff. Maybe. We shall see. Next up, Scott Pilgrim. An anime is in development at Netflix, which makes sense to do. You can adapt the manga into an anime quite easily, I imagine. Yeah, I think so. I know that Brian the O'Malley's involved in some way with the anime. I don't know much about manga anime, but it's essentially like storyboards and movies. You can use the same style and just make it into an anime. I imagine it would be not too difficult and it's a beloved series so he's gone on to do more series and stuff so it makes sense to go back to that world and see it in its essentially book to life version yeah i like the movie as well i thought the movie was really good edgar wright's involved in this as well he gets a producer credit along with nira park who were involved in the film so fair play i played the game as well that came out around about that time the side-scrolling beat-em-up game that they released yeah recently re-released wasn't it last year I guess so. I played it at the time. I think it was free on PS Plus or something like that. So I just had a go at it and quite enjoyed it. It's one of those you can play it for 10 minutes and be like, I've seen all of this, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Maybe I'll watch this. Probably won't, but it's going to be great for those that like that sort of thing. Yeah, that should be good. Yeah. So we're getting into non-franchisey stuff now a little bit. Two-time Oscar nominee Cynthia Erivo, or Erivo, I don't know how you pronounce it, is to star and produce sci-fi feature Blink Speed for Netflix. She will play a young woman plagued by a rare and mysterious savant ability after a near-death experience. Her new skill may be the key to unlocking the truth behind her fractured memory and past. It was based on a short story by a guy called Eric Brown. And uh, she's also going to be in Disney's Pinocchio with Tom Hanks. So we've got Pinocchio coming out of our ears. Yeah, they're doing the jungle book thing again of fighting (laughs) to the same thing against each other sounds like quite an interesting little sci-fi story a bit of a mystery around what happened to her memory and stuff i don't know what the blink speed title is referring to i could find out go on wikipedia and read the synopsis of the short story i guess spoil it for yourself if you want i'm not going to do it but that's a thing that is happening moving on we have a thing called mickey seven A science fiction novel by Edward Ashton. The title character is an expendable, a person on missions who is sent to the most dangerous, even suicidal jobs. When an expendable dies, a new body is regenerated with most of the memories intact. Essentially, Mickey Seven is the seventh incarnation of an expendable who is undergoing an existential identity crisis while trying to keep his successor's regeneration a secret and negotiating with the planet's native species on a dangerous trip to colonise a new ice world. Sounds interesting. Also sounds a bit like Moon. Yeah, I'm aware of Moon. In Moon, Sam Rockwell plays a miner who's a clone, and it's because the radiation on the moon kills people quickly, so they just become a succession of clones, and that's what happens there. Yeah, another sort of identity thing. Also a Doctor Who story, the almost people. Yes. But yeah, it's not a new idea. Yeah, it's one of those sort of stories that you can do lots of versions of, and you take it wherever you want, really. Yeah, sounds interesting. 
and it's based on a book mm-hmm. that was recently published. Go give it a go, see what happens. <laughs> Next up, Sci-Fi has handed a 12-episode straight-to-series order to The Ark from Independence Day writer-producer Dean Devlin. The Ark takes place 100 years in the future when planetary colonisation missions have begun as a necessity to help secure the survival of the human race. The first of these missions on a spacecraft known as Ark-1 encounters a catastrophic event causing massive destruction and loss of life. With more than a year left to go before reaching the target planet, a lack of life-sustaining supplies and loss of leadership, the remaining crew must become the best versions of themselves to stay on course and survive. Sounds a lot like a game we were playing or will play on the 200th podcast. Yeah. Very much a, we have to work together to survive because we're on a spaceship thing and they might do stories where it's, let's draw lots to see who gets to survive and stuff, or maybe not, maybe we find a better way, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Certainly, but it's lots of these things you can't do you know, too much immediately. And by the time it does come out, a lot of stuff I just kind of forget. So by the time I get to that, it's like, oh, yeah. It might reach your radar when it's about to come out. But yeah, it sounds interesting enough. Yeah. I do like sci fi where it's about people embracing their better natures rather than leaning into their darker sides. Yeah, no, it's nicer when it's there's a more optimistic message than everything's awful. Yeah, exactly. Okay, next up. There's more casting for Boy Kills World, with Isaiah Mustafa joining the action pack set at a dystopian fever dream reality that is gearing to shoot in South Africa. Bill Skarsgård's in it, Samara Weaving's in it, and so on. It follows Boy Skarsgård, a deaf mute with a vibrant imagination. When his family is murdered, he escapes to the jungle and is trained by a mysterious shaman to repress his childish imagination and become an instrument of death. That sounds pretty cool. There's quite a lot there. <laughs> Death mute who just becomes a killing machine. Yeah. Like a, a John Wick, nobody, that sort of feel where it's a one-man carnage mission. Exactly, yeah. Next up, back at Disney again. This is something I'm really excited about. A Real Steel series adaptation is in the early stages of development. The potential series would be based on the 2011 film of the same name, which was itself based on the short story Steel by Richard Matheson, which was itself based on Rock'em Sock'em Robots, the little toy, I'm guessing. Or the toy was based on that story. Who knows? But also, Vin Diesel's going to be in a Rock'em Sock'em Robots film. There's no way it can be as good as Real Steel. There's no way. It's a very good movie. Sean Levy, who directed the film, will executive produce the series via 21 laps. Robert Zemeckis will also executive produce. It doesn't say anything else about it. It's just that a series is going to be set in that world. I was always disappointed it never got a sequel because I really liked it. And I wonder what the series will be because the kid is going to be... Well, quite a bit older now because it was quite a while ago. Yeah, it was 2011-ish, that sort of area. Yeah, so he's 12 years older. But yeah, they really had something there. And I suppose it's kind of good as a snapshot of a single thing that was really good. And it depends what the series will be. There is a lot in that world that you can dig into. Why aren't the robots being used by the military and so on? There is a scene where they're fighting in a military base. And you have to wonder like, if these robots can be remote controlled or you can give it voice commands and whatever. There's, there's different ways that you can control these robots. They'd be perfect fighting machines. Yeah, it's a world with a lot of questions to the society and how it works and stuff. Yeah, definitely. But it's a fun world. It's a fun concept. See how it goes, see how it develops. Still at Disney, the Santa Claus franchise is continuing for some reason. Tim Allen is going to be returning to reprise his role as Scott Calvin, aka Santa Claus. In the series, Scott Calvin is on the brink of his 65th birthday and realising that he can't be Santa forever. He's starting to lose a step in his Santa duties and more importantly, he's got a family who could benefit from a life in a normal world. Especially his two kids who have grown up at the pole 
with a lot of elves, children and family to please. Scott sets out to find a suitable replacement Santa while preparing his family for a new adventure in the life south of the pole. That sounds pretty standard, to be honest. Passing the torch Santa thing. Yeah, it's a reboot of a franchise by a passing the battle. Yeah. I've not seen any of the Santa Clauses. Well, they're pretty good. A podcast slash YouTube channel that we both like, the Weekly Planet, Mr. Sunday Movies. They talked about the Santa Claus movies last year and they talked about it as if it was a curse. It's this curse that gets passed on to people and it turns you into Santa. This howling abyss curses you to deliver presents until you die. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware it's one of these ones where if you read too much into it, the implications are awful. You have to kill the previous Santa and then the curse passes to you. Is that how this is going to end with Tim Allen getting murdered by his successor? Hitting oh, <laughs> each other with presents. The crashed freezing waste of the North Pole. Runs them through with a reindeer. Having to cut open a reindeer to survive. That would be dark. Oh, one of the presents is a bunk bed. Could use that. <laughs> it's got an electric blanket. You know, I killed this reindeer. <laughs> it's now just going to be Final Destination, but with Santa, which I'd be kind of into, to be honest. And the whole world's falling apart because no Christmas presents have been delivered. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Keanu Reeves is in talks to star in the Martin Scorsese TV series on Hulu, The Devil in the White City. Big budget take on Eric Larson's 2003 book. It tells the true story of two men, an architect and a serial killer, which one will he be, I wonder, whose fates were forever linked by the Chicago World's Fair of 1893. It follows Daniel H. Burnham, a brilliant and fastidious architect racing to make his mark on the world, and Henry H. Holmes, a handsome and cunning doctor who fashioned his own pharmaceutical murder castle on fairgrounds, a palace built to seduce, torture and mutilate young women. The story takes a viewer on a tour of murder, romance and mystery, in the Gilded Age. Apparently this has been in development for a while. Leonardo DiCaprio bought the film rights in 2010 and it was previously set up as a feature film at Paramount with Martin Scorsese to direct. Hulu announced it's now going to be a big budget series with DiCaprio and Scorsese producing and that's about it. So Keanu Reeves might be in it, might not. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Sounds like a pretty <laughs> mental story. There's a lot going on, yeah, there's a lot there. A house of torture and death. Back to video games. They are doing a Fallout TV series on Amazon Prime from Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy's Kilter Films. Jonathan Nolan will direct the premiere and that's about it. An adaptation of the Fallout games, which are post-apocalyptic stuff. Played some of them. I'm not hugely into them, but I'm not usually into those sorts of games. So it's not really for me, but the world is interesting. So it could make for a really cool TV show. But again, it's going to be bleak and depressing. Yeah, it's another world that I've not explored and not played any of the fallouts. I'm just kind of aware of its setting. It's Cold War, if a nuke happened. Future. Vaults and stuff. Easy to film, just dark metal rooms or <laughs> quarries. And everyone has to wear those like blue jumpsuits, so you don't have to think too much about costume departments. It's just blue jumpsuits or knights of armor made up of like bits of bin and door and whatever. <laughs> stuff like that. CGI mutant creatures as well. Probably some mutants, yeah. Like the Halo thing. There's a massive fan base who want this, but we're just not in it. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people are really excited for this. I'm sure. So a remake that I guess nobody will really be excited about here. Three of the biggest action directors in the game are coming together to help give a new spin on one of the decade's most acclaimed action picks. Sources tell Deadline that Netflix has come aboard a new reimagining of Gareth Evans' cult classic The Raid, tapping Patrick Hughes to direct with Michael Bay and XYZ Films on board to produce. Evans will exec produce along with Range Media Partners, which reps all three talents. Hughes will co-write the script with James 
Beaufort. So they're going to do the raid, but an American version, and Michael Bay is going to be involved. Is there any way this will be good? I have seen most of the original raid, but unfortunately I really struggle with subtitles, so I wasn't able to really engage with it. But I understand that it's some of the best action around between that and the second one. So Americanizing it. It doesn't need to be done. Probably not. Raids are brilliant. I think it's kind of sort of that old boy situation where a lot of people don't like subtitle movies. So you can basically make a Western audience equivalent. The first one's really good. It's unnecessary, but I don't know who they'd get to be the main raid guy. It's another one of those that's been on the cards for quite a long time, isn't it? They've been trying to make this for a while. I think so, yeah. Since around either the first or second raid, the idea of making remakes and stuff, it's always sort of been mumbled around. It's a fun watch. It's good. Intense action, so happy to yeah, go for it. I'd watch another one. <laughs> if only you say, it's not as good as the original. It's just kicking in and fighting and blood <laughs> and guns. Yeah, fair enough. More weird action, more intense, brutal fighting. Yeah, so I'd go for it. Sure, I'll watch it. Sure. So next up, not content with their various animated offerings, Netflix are also doing a live-action Masters of the Universe film. It's been developing at Sony for quite some years. It's now moving over to Netflix. They start filming again this summer. They have cast a guy called Kyle Allen, who played one of the Jets in West Side Story. I don't really know who he is, but they're doing this live-action thing at Netflix, and sure, I don't know. It's one to maybe ask Aaron about in the future. How does he feel about another live-action He-Man? I know what he'll say, actually. He will say, I need to know more about what they're doing with it before I can make a judgment. I'm the same here, really. I think that it could be fine. I know a lot of people really hated the most recent Kevin Smith-involved animated thing. The theme of the day. It's another world that I don't know anything about. <laughs> I think it's one of those things that People get very protective over, and when it's changed or done in a different way that they weren't expecting the vocal, so yeah, new He-Man, The Rock probably, what's his big? <laughs> Henry Cavill in a blonde barb. Well, no, they've already cast He-Man, this Kyle Allen guy, whoever he is. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so it's not going to be someone like that. He'll Chris Hemsworth up, I guess. He'll bulk up. If you've had all the detractors from the Kevin Smith version, what this will probably be is just what they want. <laughs> The people who didn't like the animated version, whatever they are, they wanted to see more He-Man as they remembered or like in a specific way. Yeah, we promise we've listened to the fans this time. Yeah, this can be the one for the fans, the people who've been there since the beginning or whatever. They can do the Kevin Smith one for the people who enjoyed that world and then they can do a live action one. I mean, that's assuming it does go that way. It's still a bankable thing. It's directed by the directors of The Lost City who also wrote it with the guy that wrote Shang-Chi and Wonder Woman 1984. So there's a range of quality there, I suppose. Could go either way. I've not seen either three of those things. <laughs> the Lost City's not out yet, so that's fine. No, I was thinking of Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World. No, The Lost City is uh, Daniel Radcliffe, Brad Pitt, and some other people. Oh, yeah, no, that was, I was thinking of the Jurassic Park one. I was like, I don't think I saw that Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've not seen 1984 or Shang-Chi either, so okay. I don't know why I watch. I think I'll just look out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Let's watch cars go by. This is something you might be excited about. I feel like you will be. Chicken Run, they're finally doing a sequel over at Netflix and they've announced a new Wallace and Gromit thing at the same time. The Chicken Run follow-up finds Rocky and Ginger living in a human-free sanctuary, having hatched a little girl called Molly. But when the whole of chicken kind faces a new and terrible threat, they put their hard-won freedom at risk to save their species. Were they all going to get bird flu or something? Yeah, there's a bit of controversy surrounding Chicken Run 2. Okay. They recast everybody. I haven't seen the first Chicken Run. Well, Mel Gibson's in the original, so that's one thing. Yeah, Mel Gibson. There was also a few, I can't remember any of the names now off the top of my head, but there was a few UK actresses 
that have been deemed too old to come back to play animated chickens. (laughs) They were told, oh yeah, you're too old, we're casting younger, so they're recasting everybody. So there's a bit of pushback against that, like, are you doing a sequel, but it doesn't feel fair on the original cast who are happy to come back, but they've been told that they've aged out of the role of chickens. But the plot is about them being older chickens. Yeah, I think that's why the Walton Gromit announcement is done at the same time. We know there's some negativity towards Chicken Run 2. So while we announce this, we'll also announce this 2024 Walson and Gromit project that's like two years away. <laughs> but it's just announced, so it's like... But also, well, we can't have Peter Salas and Gromit's mute, so can't be really casting problems there. But I think the Walson and Gromit thing is to soften the backlash that could come from more of this Chicken Run thing. Well, I get not putting Mel Gibson in it because he's Mel Gibson and you don't want that. <laughs> None of the ones, as far as I'm aware, have cancelled or said anything weird. There was some controversy around the recasting for Chicken Run 2. So who's in it? Anybody known? Not that I can remember. I'm going to Google the actress's name, but she played Ginger, the main chicken in Chicken Run 1. And she put on a thing. She wasn't able to chat with the people making Chicken Run 2 who had like pre-decided before anything they were casting younger. And I think we know they're casting younger, but I don't think a voice cast has been announced for the second one yet. But they're not looking at the original actors, that's what it is, okay. Yeah, they're just not looking at the Oh yeah, Julia Sawala. I think she's been in like UK dramas, like one of those people who's been in everything, like character actors, Hobby City, Casualty, etc. Was in the first one, and then I went the casting more named people for the second, which some people aren't quite upset about. Well, that seems dumb. But yeah, I think that's why they also said, oh, there's Wallace and Gromit coming in two years also. <laughs> because a lot of people are like, I love Wallace and Gromit. It's harmless fun. That's a cushion announcement on top of the Chicken Run one. Fair enough. Okay, moving on, we have another Netflix movie called Leave the World Behind. Ethan Hawke and, I'm going to butcher this, Myala Herald are set to join Julia Roberts and Mahershala Ali in the film Leave the World Behind. It's based on a novel and it's about two families who are strangers to each other, forced together on a long weekend gone terribly wrong. Ethan Hawke will play Julia Roberts' husband, Harold will play Mahershala Ali's daughter, and Armstrong and Evans will play Roberts and Hawke's children. It's supposed to be suspenseful and provocative. It's keenly attuned to the complexities of parenthood, race, and class. It explores how our closest bonds are reshaped, and unexpected new ones are forged in moments of crisis. Sounds interesting. Killer cast as well. Really good cast. Yeah, these all have to like bind together and get themselves out of the situation or stop the threat or... Or something. Or something, yeah. Moving on, we have... A biopic of Weird Al Yankovic. Weird, the Al Yankovic story it's going to be called. It's going to be on Roku. And Daniel Radcliffe is going to be playing Weird Al. I'm not a huge fan of Daniel Radcliffe. I just don't like him. I've never liked him in anything I've seen him in. I really like Daniel Radcliffe. I think he's great. Okay, fair enough. He just does weird stuff. I loved him in Now You See Me Too and Swiss Army Man. The same with Elijah Ward. They both seem to be just outdoing each other for like, you can do the weirdest, nichest, tiny, unusual project that they can find. Daniel Radcliffe could make a good weird album. I wonder if he'll do his own singing. Maybe. I don't know if he's like as a singer. No, I don't know. Sure, sure he's fine. He's, he's a billionaire. You can probably say. <laughs> <laughs> so you're excited about this? I am not. Yeah, I'll give it a go. Up next, a film called Freelance. Christian Slater will be joining John Cena, Alison Brie, and Juan Pablo Raba and director Pierre Morel's action comedy Freelance, which is filming in Colombia. Freelance follows a special forces operator, played by John Cena, really playing against type there, isn't he? Who decides to retire from the army to start a family back in the States. 
after several years of mortgage payments, school drop-offs, backyard barbecues, and trying to conform to life in suburbia, he decides to come out of retirement to take a gig providing security for female journalists, played by Alison Brie, as she interviews a cruel dictator who may or may not have ordered the attack on him and his men. When a military coup breaks out in the middle of the interview, the three are forced to escape into the jungle where they must survive the elements, the military and one another. That sounds really cool. I really like the sound of this. And I say it's good gang of people. And- sounds like plenty of opportunity for John Cena to be funny. Just him in the suburbs, just being a suburban dad, but he's John Cena. A bit like in Blockers, if you've seen that, he's just this huge guy for some reason who just lives a suburban lifestyle. Oh, I was thinking of the pacifier, but that wasn't, that's not what you want to do. <laughs> Vin Diesel in one of the few films of his that I enjoy, Pacifier. I do like that. I'm excited enough about that. It seems like it'll be right up my street. John Cena getting the chance to just be deadpan funny. That's what I want. That seems to be his groove. He seems to be enjoying it. Yeah. Okay, we've got a couple of bits about Snow White, actually, coming up. Back to Disney again. Andrew Burnap will star opposite Rachel Zegler and Gal Gadot in the live-action remake of Snow White that Mark Webb is directing for Disney, playing a new male lead character rather than the prince or the huntsman of past iterations. That's all it really says. He's known for his stage work, having earned a Tony Award, and so on. Seems fine. And it seems like they're changing it quite a bit, actually. Removing the dwarves from this version as well, which is weird. They're going to be like generic magical creatures or something? I know about the Peter Dinklage backlash but it's not something I've looked too much into. But it does sound weird. Yeah. Peter Dinklage criticised the remake due to the fairy tales effing backwards depiction of dwarves. There's a lot of hypocrisy going on, Dinklage said. Literally no offence to anyone, but I was a little taken aback when they were very proud to cast a Latina actress as Snow White, but you're still telling the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Take a step back and look at what you're doing there. It makes no sense to be. Dinklage continued, You're progressive in one way, but then you're still making the effing backwards story about seven dwarves living in a cave together. What the F are you doing? Have I done nothing to advance the cause from my soapbox? I guess I'm not loud enough. I don't know which studio that is, but they were so proud of it. All love and respect to the actress and all the people who thought they were doing the right thing, but I'm just like, what are you doing? Disney has not yet announced its plans for the Dwarfs and Snow White remake. At that time they hadn't, but they did respond to it. In a statement, Disney said the live-action remake will be an updated version of the original 1937 film. We are taking a different approach with the seven characters and have been consulting with members of the dwarfism community. Just not Peter Dinklage, apparently. It said in a statement, We look forward to sharing more as the film heads into production after a lengthy development period. So they've said that they're not doing dwarfs or not doing them in the way that people think. Seems like a bit of a mess, to be honest. It sounds like a mess. Sounds like just a big old disaster. So that's all Disney had to say about it is, don't worry, we're aware. So the rumour is that it's going to be some generic magical creature instead of dwarfs, which is essentially just the same thing, right? It's still going to be swapping out one thing for another. Yeah, I think the more the problem here is taking work away from actors with dwarfism i'm guessing probably something like that there's more the insensitive representation of them which in 1937 you can understand because it was 1937 and insensitivity was everywhere look at dumbo the racist crows etc disney were not very good at that side of things peter pan with the native americans in that film and so on so yeah you can see why there's a bit of difficulty around this situation here and Peter Dinklage is quite right to be up in arms about the fact that, yeah, okay, you've cast a non-white woman for the role of Snow White, but what are you doing about the dwarves? Yeah, it all sounds like a, just a big old mess. Total mess, yeah. We are back at Amazon now. Chris Evans is going to be in a film with Dwayne Johnson, a holiday event film 
The film, which is currently titled Red One, aims to shoot this year. It's a globe-trotting four-quadrant action-adventure comedy imagining a whole new universe to explore within the holiday genre. Plot specifics are under wraps. Do you want to see Chris Evans and The Rock in a film together? Well, you'll get to, and it's going to be a Christmas one. Lawrence Kasdan is producing, so he's involved in Star Wars and things, and Dwayne Johnson's in it, so I think it'll be exactly what you expect. It is sort of just famous people in Thing, and we're just saying about it, really. But I like Chris Evans, I like The Rock, so why not? Yeah, they've got good personas, they've got on-screen chemistry and stuff, so... And we will finish up with a couple of... Fast and Furious things. Again, something that you're interested in. The first bit of Fast and Furious news is that Jason Momoa is going to be in Fast 10. Is he replacing The Rock because they need some other huge guy for something? He's just a big guy, yeah. Is he going to be another Toretto brother? He could be a Hobbs or a Shaw. <laughs> Whichever one he is. Yeah. yeah, I think he was a Hobbs. He could be a Hobbs. He'd be The Rock's brother. Could be Aquaman. <laughs> he just shows up as Aquaman. He'd just be Aquaman. Yeah. <laughs> They're driving away from other submarine and Aquaman shows up. He's the kind of person who'd be in these. Sure. They look like a lot of fun. I bet they're really fun to make because it is just messing around in nonsense cars. Except when you have Vin Diesel and The Rock just childishly arguing about who gets to punch people more often than someone else. They seem to split the teams up. I think a lot of it is like, oh yeah, we've got to deal with Vin Diesel for a little bit. But most of your filming is, oh yeah, he's going to be with someone else. Else is in those movies. <laughs> Jason Momoa. He's one of the few big guys they haven't got into this yet, so I guess they're doing it now. Yeah. There's like two left. But yeah, no, he seems to be a good fit for like this world. And connected to it, Dwayne Johnson has said he's never coming back to Fast and Furious, and he called Vin Diesel out on his manipulation on social media. It was weird, yeah. So he had to say, this past June, when Vin and I actually connected, not over social media, I told him directly and privately that I would not be returning to the franchise. I was firm, yet cordial, with my words, and said that I would always be supportive of the cast and always root for the franchise to be successful, but that there was no chance that I would return. I privately spoke with my partners at Universal as well, all of whom were very supportive as they understand the problem. He added, Vin's recent public post was an example of his manipulation. I didn't like that he brought up his children in the post, as well as Paul Walker's death. Leave them out of it. We had spoken months ago about this and came to a clear understanding. My goal all along was to end my amazing journey with this incredible Fast and Furious franchise with gratitude and grace. It's unfortunate that this public dialogue has muddied the waters. Regardless, I'm confident in the Fast universe and its ability to consistently deliver for the audience, and I truly wish my former co-stars and crew members the best of luck and success for the next chapter. That is definitely a prepared statement. That whole thing was weird. At first I thought it might have been like, obviously The Rock's got history when wrestling and there's lots of like turning heel and feuds as just part of the job and I thought it was going to be one of those like they fall out and then for the final one they come back together you know for the franchise or whatever but no this is just a real one he just hates him yeah they just, just hates him okay fair news and also yeah don't weaponize his kids or the death of someone to like get him to be in a movie it's all that stuff about Vin Diesel treats people poorly on set to get the best out of them that's the way to do it also you get the rock you don't get better or worse you get what you get. Yeah, you could just be nice to people. That's also an option. Yeah, just be nice. I should actually be the sort of person that people like working with. Yeah, but The Rock is who he is. That's it. When he shows up to a film, you know exactly what you're getting out of him. You don't get any more or less. So being mean to him to try and make him better isn't going to do anything other than alienate him and make him leave. Who else could... I bet Keanu Reeves could be in Fast and Furious. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who else could be in Fast and Furious. Keanu Reeves. Just anyone. Henry Cavill is like a bond. to be good. Tom Cruise. No, he's got the wrong energy for it. It would also be too many egos on set, I think. Can you imagine him and Vin Diesel? Yeah, it'd be too much. Nick Frost would be fun. I'm going to go with uh, Nick Frost, Henry Cavill and Q. 
Keanu Reeves. We've had Charlie Theron. We've got Helen Mirren. Maybe not Judy Dench. Do some as Helen Mirren. Jessica Chastain. She does action stuff. Not somebody who's known for the action stuff, but someone who wants to give action stuff a go. Hmm. How about Patrick Stewart? <laughs> You just like, yeah, I want to drive a billion dollar car into another billion dollar car. Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen is some kind of criminal duo. Yeah, some, yeah. some weird criminal married couple. <laughs> that doesn't have to be Fast and Furious. Can we just have that as a franchise by itself? Well, there was that show one that was Ian McKellen and Derek Jacoby, where they were just really vicious theatre people who just lived in a house and were just awful. Yeah. Just gossiping and vicious and backstabbing and mean. <laughs> Just put that in. That's the thing. Are you going to do up till Fast 10? But I want that franchise to continue forever. Well, it's Fast 10 and 11, isn't it? But 10 and 11 are the same film. Once the Toretto story is done, I think you should just keep going. Just never stop making Fast movies and just make them as weird as you can. Well, there's still chat about doing another Hobbs and Shaw or Hobbs and someone. Yeah. But I think more Fast and Furious present. You could do a comedy one. Just do nonsense stuff. Might happen. I hope so. We'll see, I suppose. But The Rock... For the moment, isn't going to be in it. I still think the other shoe's going to drop and it will be announced that he will appear for the final movie. Probably, yeah, but I'll probably not filmed on the set. <laughs> It'd be like, I'm doing a different mission. They'll radio him in. It'd be like, we need you, Luke Hobbs. And it'll be like, <laughs> somewhere in Jamaica, he'll be like, oh, I'm on a mission with a different car, chasing a different car. So it's in the movie, but he won't be in the same production part of the, any of the Vin Diesel's. He'll work with Jason Statham and it'll be a mini Hobbs and Shaw in the middle of the 11th movie. They'll do two world premieres at two different cinemas and Rock will go to one and Vin Diesel will go to another one. One will be in New York and one will be in London. There'll be two screens in the same cinema that are opposite each other. They're facing back yeah. to back. <laughs> the other guests walk in and they're asked, Vin or... The Rock. Yeah, got a piece of paper stuck in the wall with The Rock and one side's got a Vin Diesel and like a sort of swinging door that swings either left or right and you just sort of like herded in, <laughs> like one after the other. <laughs> and in The Rock cinema, like he buys everyone like a motorbike. <laughs> the reaction's like amazing from his cinema and everyone from like the Vin Diesel one's like, yeah, it's one of the Fast and Furious. And this guy's like, yeah, it's the most unforgettable day of my life. And there's two cuts of the film. There's one where Hobbs gets more punches than Toretto and the other where Toretto gets more punches than Hobbs yeah they're allowed to punch one person in the cinema so they both get one more punch <laughs> in their cinema than what's in the movie like they can just punch an usher they're just punching the ticket stub guy and so it's like yes that's my extra punch what a childish feud this all is it's a childish movie about cars <laughs> the very nature of this franchise develops that energy <laughs> it could be the two nicest people in the world and you put them in a 20 year film franchise <laughs> about driving the fastest and being the biggest and eventually it'll all sort of fall apart into just five-year-olds again <laughs> yeah so there we go that's us finished up on a fast and furious fracas alliteration yeah. for you there so that was our discussion about the news and trailers from january 2022 it's a lot of stuff so isaac thanks for joining for episode 199 Ooh. one away from the big two zero zero so thanks for the join no worries and see you in the past in the past yeah. and the furious past and the furious yeah the time travel movie yeah with baron von diesel <laughs> <laughs> it'll happen you heard it here first doctor who keeps stealing your ideas so why not oh yeah they do yeah. oh boba fett stole a character i designed in 2013 <laughs> <laughs> yeah i need to start copyrighting you do but anyway yeah. their army of lawyers are more formidable than you're no liars. Yeah, exactly. That was our discussion about news and trailers. So thank you to Neil Stenson for the supplied music. Isaac, once again, thank you for being here. Nice. If you enjoyed what you heard, then please do hit that subscribe button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts, particularly on Apple Podcasts. So we would like a star rating and a comment. But Isaac, how many stars would you like? 
five's nice. That's a nice even number. Five is a but nice number. I'm happy to go as low as just under five. Not four. It does not fully call it in five. So it looks like five at a glance. Or where they do the four, but you hide the final uncolored star behind someone's face so that they don't see it. You hold your phone with your thumb over the three missing stars and like, look, five stars. <laughs> but yes, that's what we want. If you could do that and if you want to talk to us about anything that came up here or anything really you can hit us up on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog or you can just leave a comment under neilbeforeblog.co.uk if you want to approach us we would love to hear from you but otherwise we hope you'll join us next time on Neil Before Pod 